Nine hours and four minutes. Nine hours and four minutes. Don't be scared. No scared zone. You don't need a dog. You don't Mm -hmm. need a support animal. You don't need a support human being. Game seven at Citizens Bank Park, where the Phillies have dominated all year, all postseason, excluding last night. Uh, It is all you could ask for. And you have the cool cucumber on the mound in ranger suarez welcome in everybody happy happy tuesday one and all we are sports take jacob sports youtube network rob ellis Derek god gunner man what's what's the pulse i'm I'm taking pulses right now where you at proceed with caution um i love your 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 um enthusiastic optimism (laughs) but let me ask you this yes how stunned were you that game played out the way it did last night quite stunned uh i thought it was their biggest dud of the playoffs like yes. they lost a couple heartbreakers in arizona but i felt like they showed up in those games even though it was frustrating the way that it ended you know even the the atlanta loss i felt like they outplayed atlanta and gave it away which has its own kind of frustration but at least i felt like they showed up i didn't think they showed up last night i thought mm-hmm. nola looks great in the first i'm like okay we're getting the, getting the same nola we've seen for the last five starts here we go he comes unglued in the second, although it didn't it didn't go into implosion territory, but it was bad. But the problem was, Derek, the rest of the night, the bats just fell silent. And I thought the, the biggest thing that drove me crazy was I thought the approach sucked. They were swinging at garbage. Yep. They were trying to hit home runs rather yep. than just put the ball in play. Uh, you know, when you get nothing out of the – how about Schwarber, Turner, and Harper? One, two, three. 0 for 9, four yep. strikeouts. I thought Turner had some of the worst at bats I've ever seen him have. And I thought Castellanos resembled Castellanos, you know, from last year when he was lost. So that, that part of it, frankly, really ticked me off. I've seen, I've seen Turner Harper and, and Schwarber have similar bats throughout the season. Um, And it's like they resorted back. I think they were stung. I thought, and and I'm not going to say they were overconfident, but everything added up in their favor. You had Nola on the hill. Mm-hmm. who had been lights out for his last six starts. You have this game in Citizen Bank Park where it looked like Arizona was completely shook the first two games playing in front of that crowd. The fact that the Phillies were out hitting people in, in 21 to three home run wise. Yep. And all their wins. Yep. But here's what I saw. Here's the trend I saw last night and I've watched them throughout the playoff and it was, it's very similar to what I've seen in three of the last four games. 
And I've and Robin, you know, I've been covering sports, not just football, as some people think, but I've been covering sports for over four decades. Yep. And I've seen too many junkyard dog teams. All of a sudden, you loosen a leash on them a little bit, and they can bite you. They were down two nothing. They very easily could have bowed out and said, "You know what? We weren't supposed to be here anyway." Right. They win two in a row in back to back fashion. Okay. So now they're thinking we can swing away with this team. We can hold this team down to a to a point where we can we can get back. Phillies win the last game. You're thinking now we got to go back to their place. Right. Not only does Arizona come in here and give the Phillies their first home postseason loss of this season. Yeah. They hold this team to one run, this big bopper team to one run in their backyard with a pitching staff that's not that great. Yeah. Okay? Yep. And you hit two home runs off of one of their ace pitchers in their backyard and, and took that crowd out of the game. Big time. So here we are, game seven. Arizona's not supposed to be here. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be a four-game series, five-game series. If they got lucky, maybe six. Wasn't supposed to be a seven, push to seven games. So now this junkyard dog team with a bunch of kids, we're not supposed to be here. Hey, let's go and play. I think last night did three things for Arizona. One, it showed them they can win at at that ballpark, which has been a house of horrors for everybody in the postseason. Two, it completely flipped momentum Mm -hmm. on its ear back to the Phillies. Now all the pressure in the world is on the Phillies. No question. three – they really figured out a blueprint. Just stay – if you end up walking them, you'll walk them. Stay away from Schwarber. Stay away from Harper. Yeah. Don't give them anything to hit. And the yeah. other guys, if they swing the bats the way they swung them last night, they'll take care of themselves. They'll get themselves out. It, it's incumbent upon, A, the Phillies to continue to stay patient, but, B, the others besides Schwarber and Harper, your real big boys, they have got to have better at bats. But it, make no mistake, that loss last night – Shifted all the pressure back onto the Phillies. Now no Arizona's loose. They're like, dude, we got them shook a little bit. We just we just hit them, you know, with with a little punch, and they're kind of whoa dazed a little bit. And did, it's a big deal that win last night. Did you look at the various shots of fans' faces that the cameras went to in the crowd? Yeah, stunned. Just to look bewilderment, stunned, shocked. Arizona's thinking if we can jump on them early. Yeah, we take the fan base out of the game. Now it's all of a sudden. It's almost like playing a game in an empty park. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It was very quiet, Derek. It, it was a start, and I don't blame the fans because the the Phillies play dictated the way that the fans you know yes, went about did. things. Yes, but it did. was a stark contrast to what we had seen. That place had been a madhouse last night. It was just kind of like eh, because the Phillies took it. I mean, Nola took it out of them. The bad at bats took it out of them, and yep. the fans were like, they tried a couple times, like to get to get them back going, try to resuscitate the, the the team itself. But ultimately, the fans are at the mercy of what the team's doing in front of them. They can't control, you know, they can only control so much, I guess yeah. is the best way to put yeah. it. I look at this Arizona lineup, and, that, you know, they're a bunch of kids, and you got 37-year-old uh, Evan Longoria. Longoria and, uh, and Christian Walker have been non-factors this entire series. Yeah. They're getting it a bunch, from a bunch of the, 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 the Gurriels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Carol you know, woke up last night. Carol woke up last night. Thomas, yeah. they got a kid named Thomas, 23 year old. Yeah, yeah, Thomas, all those guys. The younger, the younger the number guys. nine hitter had two hits last and, night. And the catcher's a beast. Their catcher's a stud. Oh, they, oh, dude, they do. He's got an arm. You talking about a laser yeah. arm? He's oh, just, he, he's, he is going to be one of the better catchers in baseball over the next 10 years. He's that, he's that kind of player, that guy. Yeah. And, and you're talking about pressure squarely on the back and the chest of the Phillies. 
What do you think the Phillies are thinking after they watched Texas roll Houston last night in Houston? Beat them down to the point where I, I was like, I'm done. I'm just going to watch Monday Night Football. It was such a yes. blowout. Yeah. It was 11 to 4 oh, in Houston. Crushed them. Just, just, just smoked them, man. Smoked now, them. Obviously, Arizona doesn't have that lineup like, like te- the Texas, the, the Rangers do, but True. I've seen. I've seen Arizona put up seven, eight runs on Milwaukee and Milwaukee. I've seen them do it in, in, in Los Angeles where the Dodgers fan base is just as rabid as the Phillies fan base. And they swept the Dodgers on top of that. I've seen right. them do it. You let these junkyard dogs hang around and now they're barking. Mm-hmm. And they're coming. They're coming. It's, you know, anytime manager Rob Thompson says, everybody's on deck tonight, including Zach Wheeler. Yeah. That's, desper- that's desperation at its finest. Well, it is. It is. All right. And, and I, everything we've just laid out, I think is dead on the, the, the flip yeah. side. I'll give you a little bit of uh flip side positivity on it. I, I like would I prefer to have rain uh, Zach Wheeler on the mound. Of course I would want him in any scenario ever. I Absolutely. like Ranger. I like the way Ranger approaches things. He is a very cool customer. I don't I see the moment being too big for him. Like I think I that part is big. You know, it is Derek. Some guys are psychologically done before a game even starts. Yes. yes. I don't think that's Ranger. So yeah. I think I he'll be good to go. Yeah, yeah. And, and you look at what he's done in the, in the playoffs period, no matter what role the Phillies have asked of him the last two years, he's generally delivered, right? Yeah. So I feel good about that, like the, that Rangers the guy. The other thing is they have been a very good team. Think about it. Even if you go back, if, if you want to just take it as short as this series, yeah. after those two losses on Thursday and Friday, which were really bad losses, the Phillies yeah. came back Saturday and responded. Yeah, so they've they responded a lot this year. Yeah. And I, when you have money guys like Harper – I don't see Harper being held down two straight nights. I just don't. So, I don't either. Yeah. He seems he seems to be locked in more so when he has something on his shoulder, like, you know, uh, the previous series against, uh, yeah. against Marlins. Mm-hmm. You know, he came back and hit two home runs in that game. Yeah. He seems to be more locked in when there's something on the line. Everything you could ask for stacks up in favor of the Phillies tonight. Suarez right. on them now. They're playing this game at home. It's a game seven. They've been in big, big games before, last year. Yeah. You know, the addition of Trey Turner only enhances, you know, that lineup. They they have everything that you could possibly want in their favor. If I was a betting man, everything I own, I would put on the Phillies winning this game tonight. But beware of the junkyard dog. That's all no. I'm going to say. No, I get I Look, I don't think anybody goes into this thing. Honestly, if you do, you're crazy. If you're thinking this is over and the D-backs can't have – they've won three games, man. They've won three of the last four games. Obviously, Arizona is a worthy – Worthy, yes. more than yes. worthy opponent. But if, if I if you stripped everything else away and I said, look, you got one game to win. It's at Citizens Bank Park in front of your crowd. Ranger on the mound. Bryce Harper. You know, and I know the kid pitched great the last time out for Arizona. Yep. Yep. Uh, but I, I like the Phillies' chances in that scenario. I do, Derek. I agree, I agree with you. Yeah. Here's what if what if what if Suarez is lifted again after three and a third. I'll go crazy. Where are you going? Where are you going out of the bullpen? You know what I think? Here's what I think he would do. I I think if he lifted him, man, I hate to see him lift him that early. I think he'd try and buy like an inning or two out of Strom. Then I think he goes Hoffman. Then I think he goes Wheeler. Kimbrough? No, Alvarado. I think Wheeler Wheeler could be your eighth inning. It could be. He brought Kimbrel in last night. I don't think you're going to see Kimbrel. I don't. Rob, I, this man has some kind of affection for Kimbrel. I don't understand. He does. I don't I, get it. Does. 
I think there's been two mistakes by Thompson in this series. One, what is Kimbrel and the loyalty? And two has been keeping Bohm in the cleanup spot. He should, and yeah. I know he had two hits last night. He should have moved Real Muto up in the order uh, games ago. Not not just talking about that. And he won't change anything tonight, but he should. They're the two mistakes that, that I've had with him, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And again, he's done a great job getting you here. But if we're just talking about the here and now, they're the two things I've disagreed with. Now, I don't, yeah. I don't blame him last night. Players have to show up. And the Phillies' offense didn't show up, and Nola didn't do a good enough job, and, and all those kind of things. That, to me, that was a player loss last night. That wasn't a Rob Thompson loss. So I agree. You know, I, I but I, I am it, again. It's it's hard to do this if you strip emotion and everything. You know, all the weird circumstances. You just you just really burrow in on tonight. If it's home, if it's Ranger against the young kid. Yeah, remember he pitched great at their place. This is he here did. now. Yes, he did. Um, and Harper and some of the other guys who have usually delivered, I I I feel good about the Phillies' chances. If, if I'd be lying if I said to you, I think this thing's a lock. I don't. I don't think it's a lock. Um, they they should they they should win in a similar fashion to Texas winning last night. They should yeah. just put this team out of its misery. They're playing on a shorter porch field, which is to their advantage compared to that big park uh, down in, in Arizona. But your front three batters cannot go O for the night. They mm-hmm. cannot, or they're in big trouble. Yeah, you cannot go O for the O for the night. You cannot. You cannot. Uh, but if I'm Arizona, I'm not giving them nothing to hit. Nothing. Nothing. Because it worked last night, didn't it? Yes. It, you oh, got. Well, I'm keeping everything the same. You do. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm uh, uh, Tory Lavole, I'm keeping everything the same. You you got you got to a point where your big boppers are so frustrated. They're swinging like minor leaguers. And everything is like swatting fly. This one just trying to connect with something. Yeah. And that's the worst thing you can do. You took yourself out of discipline at bats. Mm-hmm. It's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I, 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 I was so disappointed in the approach at the plate. So, I mean, it was the biggest bummer as far as I'm concerned. All right. That's part A of why, you know, last night into today is huge. Part B here is Howie season. Howie season, Derek, I've been saying for how long, Howie's going to do yep. something, Howie's going to do something, he's going to do something, yep. so he does something. And this wasn't just a nothing move. This was a big move. They got a quality, versatile safety slash nickel corner. He can do a lot of different things, Kevin Byard. Uh, born and raised in, in West Philly till high school, he moved, in, and his parents got divorced, he moved to the Georgia area. Yep. But he knows the area. He's got relatives here. Not that that ultimately means anything in, in the long run. But this guy shows up every week. He's played 111, 111 consecutive games. Two-time Pro Bowler. Uh, every game since 17. Um, you see that what they gave up. So they traded 20, 24, fifth and sixth for Ed, and Edmonds to the Titans for Bayard. Um, they're going to pay about seven million dollars of the 11 for his compensation this year, uh, or uh, 2.4 of the of the compensation he's owed this year. He's guaranteed 13.6 next year. There's no way that happens. He's either cut or yeah. they restructure it. Right. Um, but he's 30 years old. He was a third-round pick out of Middle Tennessee. Here's the really weird part. Eagles going to have two starting strong safeties if Blankenship comes back that are from Middle Tennessee yep. State. <laughs> Who Never happened before. Anyway, Never just weird, before. weird little thing. But nonetheless, they got a really good player, and this is a good upgrade at a position they really needed to upgrade. Does Howie have some dirt on the Titans front office because he keeps fleecing that organization? Yeah, the running joke yesterday was if, if you're Tennessee's GM and you see Howie's number pop up, uh-uh. Nope. Write the voicemail. 
See, it, it, if, if the Titans know that the Eagles need them that bad, you got to give me more than a fifth and sixth round pick. Mm-hmm. You, How bad do you want them? You got to up the ante a little bit. Because basically, like I told you, Eagles had 10, 12 picks for next year. There's no way how he's going to draft 10 or 12 players next year. Right. There's no way. No shot. You know, and, and sure enough, he gets rid of two of the lower round picks. You know, they're still in prime position no matter where they finish to get some good players in, one, in rounds one through three next year. Um, Tennessee, no wonder, you, no wonder your organization is always mediocre. You keep giving players away. You gave them A.J. Brown for a song and a dance. And you're getting you're getting a guy who was an all pro, two time all pro in seventeen and twenty one. Now he's thirty years old, but he's he's reliable. He's he's there, you know. He's smart. He's heady. He can play more than one position. Right. Um, that helps solidify the back end of that defense a lot, especially when you look at the teams that are coming up. Now they did a great job on Tyree Hill without the likes of Bayer. Now you still got the gun. You still got to you still got to play. You know, Mahomes and his crew. Mahomes. The thing is. Mahomes doesn't have a deep threat. He just has threats that slice you and dice you underneath all day. So you need some you need some 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 cheetahs that can chase all yep. these details they're facing. You know? Yep. Yeah. And they just help they help themselves in that department. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at what what is is headed their way. You know, while Kansas City's receivers aren't necessarily great, you still have Mahomes throwing to them, as you just said. You still have Kelsey. Right. But beyond that, I mean, you think about it, you're gonna get DK Metcalf and Lockett and that crew. Uh, coming up, you know, Metcalf is a little bit banged up this past week, but they expect him to come back. You still have CD lamb and what you have to deal with, with the Cowboys in, in two weeks, right? This week, you're going to get McLaren who had a good game against you. Um, last time out. Samuel. Right. And I fully expect Bayer to be on the field for this game this week. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see, but that wouldn't surprise me one bit. You got San Fran coming down the line. You know, I mean, look, you got, and, and not to mention whatever you're going to get in the playoffs. So you, you, You needed to do this. Um, this was a necessary move. You didn't give yep. a ton up. You have, nope. You're well stocked for next year anyway. Uh, it is a classic Howie move. He is always, always aggressive. And it's one of the, I think it's his greatest traits is he never stayed, stands pat, ever, ever. That's why I said the man never sleeps. All he does is hang up upside down like a bat to recharge. <laughs> he doesn't sleep. Um, he's always on the phone. He's always looking at the board, the depth chart board, the starting board. How can I make this thing better? He's, the wheels are always spinning, you know, with yep. him. Yep. And kudos to him for pulling off another big one. You know, last year it was CJ, GJ plus, and Dominic Sue and Linville Joseph. Now it's, now it's you know, Bayer. Who knows? There may be another one coming up before the deadline gets here. Who oh, no, listen, no question. I, 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 yeah, you have you, a week. You got a week from today. You know, that, that's where we're at right now. Oh, oh and by the way, um, so did you did you happen to catch the, uh, the Monday night game last night? Oh, yeah. What the – what happened to the uh, the great 49ers? I'm cu- I'm curious to all the 49er weasels in the chat. Uh-huh. Um, was this was it just lucky? Was it bad luck? Were you where did you have injuries? Is that why you lost last night? Is that why Brock Purdy threw two late interceptions and McCaffrey fumbled? Was it injury? What happened? What happened to the greatest team that that man has ever ever seen, Derek? I'm I'm curious. To the two and four Vikings of all teams. To the two and four Vikings. Yeah, two two losses in a row, by the way. Two in a row. They've been held under 20 points two consecutive games. Wow, it's amazing how that – I'm just out of curiosity. I, um, who's the lone team in the in the um, NFC with one loss? There you go. Oh, it's the Eagles. Right, right. Boom. Okay, just curious. Just curious. I'm curious. I wasn't sure because 
I, I know the, the, the Niner weasels will cry and make, make excuses like, it wasn't our fault. Our quarterback got hurt last year. It wasn't our fault. I mean, he got hurt. Even though an Eagle player broke his arm because Kyle Shanahan decided to block him with a tight end. They're, they have become as insufferable as Cowboys fans with the way that they cry and whine. So anyway, nice work don't, out of the Niners last don't, night. Don't stoop to the level, Rob, because we've seen, enough, we've seen enough injuries on this Eagles team. We, yeah. I, hey, I, don't, don't, don't stoop to the level. No, I enjoyed it. It. It, was, it, was, it was nice. Nice nice to uh, nice way to, to close out the Monday night. After the Phillies' awful loss. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yes. Oh, yeah, I sound, I sound nerdy from these crybabies. Oh, I love it. I love it, love it, love it, man. Um, oh, yeah, it was a beautiful thing last night. Um, but no, I, I'll tell you what. Um, it is really, really, yeah, built like a chihuahua. All I can do is talk, right? At least I don't cry and whine like you sniveling weasels. All right, so um, good, good job out of the Vikings. I'll tell you, I wouldn't, here's one thing I would say, Derek, off of that. I don't know that I'm completely writing the Vikings off in the division that they're in. Now, what I mean by that is I don't think they're surpassing Detroit, but they could maybe sneak their way into a wild card. It's not totally out of the question. And I know you can't stand them. I'm just saying if they if have a Kirk, shot. If Kirk Cousins plays the rest of the season like he did last night, they will be in and win more games than they lose, which could get them in the back door to playoffs. Mm -hmm. There's no question about it. The Vikings had over 350 yards of offense in the third quarter against the vaunted 49ers defense. Right. Over 300. They didn't sack Kirk Cousins once. Kirk Cousins stood down the barrel and oh, made some throws. Boy, oh, boy. That I haven't seen him make when he's under pressure. Usually he just curls up and ducks and gets up to play another play. He stood tall in the pocket and delivered some strikes. And on top of that, there was no Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Addison's really good. And but you're right. They did that without Jefferson. That's really impressive. Oh, there's no question. You know, um, I knew Addison coming out of college. Once they let Thielen, uh, Thielen go, I said, when they got this kid, Addison, he's going to make a lot of people forget all about Justin Jefferson. Yep. I mean, uh, make them forget all about Adam Thielen. Thielen, Thielen, right. Yeah. yeah. And sure, and be, sure, lo and behold, he was showcased last night. Mm -hmm. But but here's the here's the biggie. Um, the kid who really torched them before he got hurt last night, um, where is he here? Uh, this other kid is, is was it Brandon Powell? It, it was number Powell, four. Powell did a nice job. He he was a former yeah. Ram. Yeah, yeah. And he He's was got some man, he was wide open. This kid, mm -hmm. and he can flat out scoot. Yeah, he can. Yeah, and they couldn't cover him. They yeah, couldn't. So. No, I mean, they, they have they have weapons. I mean, Osborne's a solid little receiver. He's not a one, but he's a solid receiver for them. They're good, man. They're good. They See, what, here's what happens to uh, one one last thing that I'll say. Yeah. What you typically see from someone whose team or or they're not really mature enough or bright enough to handle when their team doesn't deliver, instead of just owning it, what they do is they get personal. They of try to take personal shots. And it speaks do. to the character of that person. It does. That's it speaks to the character of that person. They can't get their balls, they can't get their balls busted without yeah. getting personal. And that says yeah. it all. Says it all. And it's by okay. the way, a lot it's of tough okay. keyboard gangsters out here in, in these yeah. streets, too. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's okay when they're doing it, you know, exactly. because they're not, they hide behind exactly. the keyboard. Yeah, yep. it's okay. They think it's funny. We watch them all day. It's always the same people, too. It is. Always yep. the same people. These yep. keyboard warriors who mm -hmm. just, you know, attack, attack, attack. It's funny. And they think it's funny. And, you know, they take it to the gutter because that's where they live. Yeah. You know, you, know, you can dish it out, but you can't take it. Mm -hmm. You can't take it. That's exactly right. Nafiz, damn right. Have a little fun, man. And, and yes. uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it is it. funny.
But there are. There's a lot of guys, man, who were tough guys behind a keyboard, baby. Love it. Love it. Love yeah, it. Yeah, oh, we didn't have Trent Williams. We didn't have Debo Samuel. Okay. Wow. How many players, how many have, players have the Eagles had yes. for the last four or five weeks? Yep. Okay. Yep. Are we finding a way to get it done? Nope. Six, to, six to one, right? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. All right. So, uh, all right, a couple things to do here. So here's what we have coming up, Derek. We're going to get more uh, on the Bayard trade. We have Terry McCormick from TitansInsider.com. We're going to go down to Tennessee and get his impressions of this move and what the Eagles got uh, with Bayard. And then at 1230, while Anthony Sanfilippo, we'll talk about this Phillies game seven. We've got a lot to do with the Eagles uh, when we come back. So let's start with digging in with this big trade. And it was a big trade. This is a a significant upgrade from what the Eagles had at the position. So uh, we'll talk about that uh, when we come back. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. All right. I want to let you know uh, about blocks, right? Blocks. And we're going to, we're going to talk to you about the great folks at blocks. So uh, just to get everybody up to speed here, did you know uh, that you can spend your PA tax dollars more efficiently? You can fund a scholarship for a student in need and get a 90% tax credit refund. Yes. Blocks is the largest scholarship organization in Pennsylvania, raised 110 million in scholarship dollars last year, all awarded to families who qualify for tuition assistance. Yes, award more than 17,000 need-based scholarships annually. You can direct your scholarship donation to any private or Catholic school in Pennsylvania. Participation in the program is simple and takes only a few minutes. You can send your check to Blocks, B-L-O-C-S, B-L-O-C-S, and they do the rest. It's simple. All right, participation in the program is simple, takes a few minutes. Send the checks to Blocks. It's B-L-O-C-S dot org slash tax credit for more information. Development officers are standing by to answer any questions that you may have, and you could share your account or financial advisor contact, and they can walk you through from start to finish. Great sales team there, including Jeff Gibson in the group. Uh, average HHI of a blocks recipient is 55000 Demand for tuition assistance outpaces the supply of tax credit scholarships by nearly three to one. There is little to no out-of-pocket cost for you to participate. For a few hundred dollars, you could fund a child's full year tuition to a Catholic or private school. Blocks graduates 99% of their scholarship recipients versus 64 graduation rates of the Philadelphia public schools. 96 cents of every dollar raised by Blocks goes directly into the hands of a family who qualifies for tuition assistance and can be only used for scholarship and tuition. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. 
and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, Blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Win and save this baseball season from Colony Pools and Power Washing, a local company serving Delaware, Delco, and Chester County since 1970. Are you tired of looking at your green house? Is your roof, siding, deck stained green from algae and mold? Let the experts pressure wash your home and take the pressure off of you. Win with Colony Pools and Power Washing. Call them now at 302-762-2250. That's 302-762-2250. Welcome back in, everybody. Hey, let me tell you the Bravo Pizza of Havertown before we get to our next guest. Thrilled that they are a part of the channel. That's for sure. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Been going there since I was a kid. Family owned since 1985. Great thing is food is fresh, made daily. Nothing under some heat lamp. Bravo Pizza offers 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. I love the upside down. Like I said, I love the specialized pizza because you get it any way that you want it. But it's not just pizza. It's fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. Bravo Pizza of Havertown is also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, schools, little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You could follow them at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook. They're at 1305 Westchester Pike. Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. You can call them right now, 610-446-3810, 610-446-3810. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn, hanging out with you on this Tuesday. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Time to set our sights a little bit more on the birds and the big move that they made yesterday with Tennessee Titans. And to do so, we welcome in for the first time on the show, very excited, excited to have him have join, him us. join us, Terry McCormick, Terry McCormick, who is the Titans is the beat Titans writer. He's been covering the team since 1997, and he is the publisher, he is the publisher of, of TitansInsider.com. Hey, uh, Terry, I think we may need to kill the feed if you have it up on YouTube because we're getting a little bit of return on that, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah, I don't think I have it on. I don't think I have YouTube on. I just, I'm through the stream yard. Okay, nope, nope. No worries. I no just getting a little bit of return, return there. All right. Uh, so, Terry, uh, first so, Terry, off, I appreciate, I appreciate you joining us. And could you give us a little bit of information on this deal and your estimation, uh, what the Eagles uh, are getting in Kevin Byard, how much he has left in the tank, and, and, and just, you know, how he's played as a tight. 
Well, he's you're getting a guy who is the consummate pro, both on the field and off. He's a guy who uh, really is kind of a, a folk hero almost, uh, he, kind of hearkening back to the early days when this franchise moved here. He, you know, outside of Eddie George, Steve McNair, and Frank Wycheck from those early days, uh, he's probably as popular a guy that's been around here in a long time. And he's a heck of a player, too. He played locally here at Middle Tennessee. I know he's a Philadelphia native, but he grew up in Atlanta and uh, played at Middle Tennessee about 30 miles down the road, then was drafted here in the third round in 2016. And from that uh, point, uh, just, you know, was a beloved player. One, because he was durable. He never missed a game in seven-plus years as a Titan. And two, because he was a heck of a player, two-time All-Pro safety. Now, the numbers on him this year don't look great, and I think some of that is due to the fact that they've had some problems in the secondary. Their cornerbacks have not been very consistent. They've not been very good, and and sometimes that there's a domino effect with that in a secondary when uh, things are not going well and you're having to cover for other people and try to cover up mistakes. But uh, I think he will solidify the Eagles' secondary and uh, – He's a big play guy. He's a ball hawk. 27 interceptions over his career. He had 19 career interceptions when he was in college at middle. So he's a guy that has a nose for the football. He studies. He's a great guy in the locker room. He was a team captain here for a number of years. And, uh, you know, you may not be getting a guy who is, you know, a young buck, so to speak, at 25, 26 years old anymore, but you're getting an experienced guy who still has a lot left. Hey, Terry, does Howie Terry, Roseman does have some dirt on the Titans front office? I mean, he keeps fleecing them for their better players here. See, what, what's the, what's the, what's the, the Titans, Titans doing here? I'm telling you, the next time they, you know, get a phone call and it says, you know, it says Howie Roseman on the caller ID, they need to hang up as soon as possible. <laughs> Oh, gosh, because the Titans' downward spiral really started uh, last year on draft day when they traded A.J. Brown to Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, you've seen what uh, A.J. Brown has been able to do uh, in Nick Sirianni's system and uh, what, you know, Shane Steichen put together last year and they've continued on this year. He's you know, developed into one of the top three or four receivers in the league. Not that he probably already wasn't that when he was here in Tennessee, but uh, you know, to my way of thinking on all on that deal, you know, Titans were a little bit up against it or knew they were going to be up against it salary cap wise, and they chose to sign Jeffrey Simmons to an extension. They had already signed Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill to previous extensions, and. When it came time to make a decision, they probably should have chosen A.J. Brown and went a different direction and, and run the risk with, and let somebody else walk away. Mm, Terry, let, let me circle back to Byard for a minute. Um, uh, is he a guy who has the versatility to play either safety spot and potentially a nickel corner as well in your estimation? Because the Eagles have had a lot of injuries on the back end here and, and could maybe use him in any of those spots. Where do you think he's best utilized in your estimation? Well, free safety is his natural position because he's a center fielder type of guy, uh, you know, has a real nose for the football, like like I'd said. But uh, the safeties are kind of interchangeable. He and Amani Hooker formed a pretty good tandem here. So there are times you'll see him come down in the box and, ho and Hooker 
be the uh, deep cover guy uh, playing playing back in the free position. Uh, as far as nickel corner, that's not anything that he's ever done. But I'll say this, from a football smart standpoint, it certainly wouldn't be something that he couldn't take on if they really needed him in a pinch there. Mm-hmm. Terry, um, um, is, is Rabel in trouble there? We keep hearing a lot of outside chatter about Rabel's status and things of this nature. Is he on a short leash right now? No, I don't think he is right now. And and here's why I say that, because they fired John Robinson last year toward the end of the season, brought in Rand Carthon as the new general manager to work kind of in conjunction with Brable in terms of the decision-making. And I kind of liken it to when there's a presidential administration change, mm-hmm. how when you first, when a president first comes into office, he gets to blame the guy that was there before him for the first year or so, and then... At some point, though, it becomes your mess to clean up. So I think the Titans are kind of in that window where they can still blame John Robinson for the for what's gone wrong here. But if it's not fixed by this time next year, then I think you might see Mike Vrabel's name start to be mentioned on the hot seat. Okay. Sorry, do you, do you think Sorry, they keep you rolling with Tannehill, or, or will there be a replacement? You think with one, either Willis or Levis at some point? Well, Tannehill's on the shelf right now with an ankle injury. Yeah. Uh, suffered that over in London. Kind of the same injury he had last year, and he eventually had surgery on it because he can't kind of came back on it too quickly. I, you know, from what the situation with with Tannehill is this: he's in the last year of his contract, and if Bayard is the first domino toward a, to fall toward a rebuild, you know, then you got to figure out, you know, starting this week probably, I think you have to take a look at Will Levis to see what you have. He's a guy who was projected to be a first-round pick. He lasted till the start of the second round. They traded draft capital to move up to get him to be that quarterback of the future. So, you know, he's been inactive every week, been the emergency third QB. Uh, I think this is the time coming off a bye that you need to give this guy a look and see what he's got because Tannehill's probably going to be out Sunday, and I would assume he's going to be out when they have a short turnaround on a Thursday to go to Pittsburgh. So that gives you a two-game window to kind of take a look at what you got. They kind of have an idea what they have in Malik Willis. And the truth is, you know, while he's a great guy and he's worked hard and and he's learned a lot, you know, he still doesn't look ready to be an NFL quarterback. You know, it's there's still too much of that Hugh Freeze Liberty offense in him Mm. where – you know, if it's not there, go make a play. Well, that's fine, well, and good at Liberty, but that doesn't work when, uh, you know, somebody like Joey Bosa is, is bearing down on you right. and uh, about to rip your head off. Hey, Terry, what is the fan base and the media basically saying about the fact that the Titans have spent a lot of capital in back-to-back years on quarterbacks? You know, obviously, when you look at, you know, teams trying to build, you, you, you know, some teams like to build from the inside out, from the trenches, some like from the back end, back end to the inside. What, what, are, what are the media in Tennessee and the fan base there saying about how they've spent their draft capital in a quarterback situation? Well, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I think that people around here are wondering about is, you know, why would they go and draft another quarterback? But you got to remember, this is another GM coming in. Yeah. So I think, one of the things I think they hedged their bet in in terms of drafting Will Levis this year was the fact that Malik Willis performed 
poorly last year as a rookie, really wasn't ready for, you know, the responsibility and didn't have the uh, knowledge of the system and the things like that coming from where he came from in a, in a full out spread system. So in terms of that, I think they didn't know if Malik Willis was going to develop. So they went and drafted another quarterback in Will Levis thinking that he could, he could develop. Now you got to remember different general managers, John Robinson drafted Willis, Rand Carthen drafted Levis. So, they let both those guys compete this year, and Willis, you know, to their surprise, I guess, and to their, uh, you know, pleasantly surprised, he showed some enough improvement that they made him the number two quarterback coming out. So I think they still feel like there is something there that maybe can be salvaged with Willis, but, you know, he still has a long way to go, and now you've got two quarterbacks that you're trying to develop and then trying to pick one to be a starter. Terry, by the way, love the Robert Brazil uh, behind you. That, that that's strong. Good work. Good work. Yes, there. Uh, I'm in. The, I'm out here at the facility. This is uh, in one of the rooms that they yeah. have here for us. Uh, um, question for you about the Eagles. Obviously, from we love getting you know perspective from from folks around the league and you know that aren't quite in the fishbowl like we are. Um, what do you think about their their chances to get back and potentially win a Super Bowl this season? I think as as good as anybody, and adding Kevin Byard can only help that, guys. Uh, you know, when I look at the NFC, I see, you know, really two teams that are head and shoulders above everybody else. And I think that that's the Eagles and the 49ers. Uh, I wanted to put the Lions in there, but they got demolished by the Ravens on Sunday. So uh, I don't know if that was just a one game aberration or if they're for real. I, you know, I honestly still think looking at the Vikings remaining schedule and the way they looked last night, if they could yeah. get. Justin Jefferson back, I still think they have a shot to win the NFC North. The NFC South, I think, is kind of a wash. I don't think uh, anybody is coming out of there that's going to be a real threat. Uh, I think that uh, the Eagles are a better team all the way around than the Cowboys. So, to me, unless somebody like Seattle or Minnesota gets really hot, I think you're going to see very likely a rematch of the NFC Championship game last year between the Eagles and the 49ers. Terry, does it surprise you? I know you're on the outside looking in, but does it surprise you how Eagles GM Howie Roseman continuously just just adds uh, pieces to the equation? Last year, it's Linville Joseph and then Dominican Sue. This year, they go out and get Julio Jones. Now they get, you know, Bayer. Um, You don't see many GMs across the board that are in-season aggressive like, like Howie has been consistently. No, you're right. And, and it's a good thing, I think, because yeah. when you have a good team, you know, you – you build through the draft, but then if you see an area that's deficient or an area that becomes deficient because of an injury, that's when you need to go out and get somebody. I mean, Howie Roseman kind of has a baseball GM mentality in terms of how in baseball at the trade deadline, you know, some team will go, hey, we need a third baseman. This guy's not getting it done. They go out, get a third baseman from some team, and then all of a sudden everything's good to go. Uh, you know, Howie Roseman seems to kind of have some of that mentality and I applaud him for it. I think, you know, if you can make it work cap wise and you've got a team that's one piece away, like the Eagles felt they were with Kevin Byard, I think that's absolutely the approach you should take. Hmm. Terry, the, the, the AFC is a little different than I think we anticipated it looking, uh, you know, before the season, like I know Buffalo's banged up, but you never know what you're getting week to week with them. Miami's the, the two decent and to, slash, to good teams they played. 
you know, they've lost. Baltimore looks like they're hitting their stride at the right time. Jacksonville's hot. There's always Kansas City. But if you had to take the Chiefs out of the equation, who do you think the second most dangerous team is? Well, that's a good question. I mean, there are a lot of teams that are one week look like world beaters and in the next week, you know, they look like they can't get it done. You know, I think whoever comes out of the AFC North is going to be a problem. Uh, whether that's Cincinnati, whether that's Baltimore, uh, I think whoever wins that division is going to be a real problem and probably present the best challenge to the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll say that with one caveat, unless the Buffalo Bills can figure things out because they have the potential to dominate, uh, you know, because they're they're good on both sides of the ball. Uh, Josh Allen is a little inconsistent or has been a little inconsistent at times this year. Yep. But uh, I still think they're better than Miami, and if uh, if they get their act together, I like them. But I like I really like whoever comes out of the North between Cincinnati, Baltimore, and I can't rule out Cleveland if they get their quarterback situation figured out because mm-hmm. their defense is, you know, Sunday mm-hmm. notwithstanding against the Colts, their defense is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. no question. No question. Listen, Terry, we appreciate you hopping on. Really good uh, insights here. And and, and just to Real reiterate, man. you feel like the buyer's going to be a big, a good fit for them and make an impact, you know, relatively quickly, correct? Absolutely. I think I think he will make uh, an amazing impact on this team. He already knows people up there and A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Uh, he'll fit in well in the locker room. Uh, you know, if you get a chance to meet him, tell him we said, hey. Because, uh, you know, he's a very personable guy, a very accountable guy. Uh, you're getting a true pro's pro. All right. Terry, he's been covering the, the Titans. Yeah, great stuff. Since 1997, he's the publisher of TitanInsider.com. You can follow him on Twitter slash X at TerryMC13. Terry, we appreciate the insights, man. Thanks for hopping on today. Thank you. Be good. Be good. Yep. All right. You got to take care. Good stuff, Gunner. Uh, you know, Terry, yep. very, very insightful, uh, very informative and you know, that, that was the reputation. The reputation with Bayard is a pro's pro, uh, will do is versatile, can do a lot of different things for you, uh, will fit right in with this locker room. I mean, he he's perfect with the rest of these guys. This is a this is a good group that the Eagles have. It's a culture that they have. And he I'm telling you, he they won't skip a beat with this guy being plugged in. Well, the biggest thing I like is his availability and his durability. You talk about his consistency. And you talk about putting plugging him in on the back end with his wealth of experience and knowledge on a back end of a defense that has been, let's face it, ravaged by injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, luck, luckily nothing that has been season ending yet. Um, you know, and we just still don't know when Justin Evans is coming back. Right. You know? So you have somebody who who is, I think, an upgrade over Terrell Edmonds. And, you know, and to go back to when they made the move for Edmonds, what did I tell you? Anytime a Mike Tomlin – Let's a primetime player go. When I say primetime, I mean a guy was only 26 years old. I have a red flag. You know, there's certain coaches, when they let certain players go, when they're like 25, 26, 27, it's an automatic red flag for me because of the position they play and because of how consistent they've been at that position. And because, you know, Terrell Edmonds didn't pan out in Pittsburgh and he wasn't killing them financially. Yeah. You know, and obviously, number one, Pittsburgh wasn't willing to pay him big money, yep. and they were more than willing to let him go. That was a red flag, just like it was with Robert Quinn. Same thing. You know, now they hit it right last year when they got CJ GJ and Dominican Sue and Linville Joseph. We'll see if they hit it right with Julio because we know his track record over the last four years. Yeah. But I do believe in looking at the Bayard move. 
they've stabilized the back end of that defense until Reed Blankenship can get those ribs right. Even if you've got to play kids back there with them, like, you know, Sydney, Sydney Brown, you know, I think it's a big upgrade in terms of stabilizing the back end of that defense. Well, the good news is um, at least, well, I mean, look, it's, it's short sample size and it, it, it's, you know, only really last week, but uh, it looked like there was some nice growth by those guys, the younger guys in, in terms of, I didn't see the same kind of missed assignments. I didn't see some of the other mistakes, you know, that we maybe saw a little bit earlier when right. they were thrown in there. So that's a credit to Sean Desai working with them and getting them better. So that that's the that's good too. I mean, if these guys are growing, Derek, and then you throw a Bayard in there, a vet like that, yes. to help them, you know, that's it's good. I mean, as, as much as you, would you rather Slay and, and Bradbury and, and Bayard all be twenty five, of course, but experience can can help you a lot too, where you may not have the same kind of athleticism. Then you mix in the younger guys also. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the status is of blanket chip. I know Sirianni said he was hopeful. Uh, I know Desai speaking today. So if they they could get him back and they could team the the, the middle Tennessee fellas up, that'd be pretty nice uh, to be able to get those two going. Uh, well, that's for sure. Here, here's the thing. You know, if even if, if Reed's not ready to go this week, you're playing Washington. Right. Okay? And, you know, Washington uh, gave the Eagles all they can handle the last time they met and took them to overtime. Okay. But you're still playing Washington. You're still playing a young Sam Howell. And Washington's lost what four of its last five? They have. Yep. So and now you got players grumbling out loud. So that's not a good mixture. You've lost four of your last five, and players are now frustrated to the point where they're on mics, microphones cursing now at people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not at people, but at the way the team has been playing with the talent they have on that team. Um, so this is a Washington team on the fringe of imploding. Uh, and you're not even halfway through the season yet. Right. And so I'd rather be facing a Sam Howell without Blankenship than facing Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, one of those quarterbacks, Geno Smith. Yeah. Um, and hopefully the next time Blankenship steps on the field, the rib issue will be settled. He can play the duration of the season. But, you know, we talked about this going in. As clean injury-wise as this team was last year, it's just the nature of the beast in the NFL. Teams that go through relatively unscathed one-year comeback – and they can't sidestep the injury landmines for, for to save their lives. And the Eagles are going through it right now. Luckily, it's, it's not something that has hit them in a very prime-time position, like a key wide receiver, a quarterback, uh, something of that nature. It's just little nicks here and there that are costing players a game or two until they can get them back in the fold. Well, the other good thing is <clears throat> there were multiple reports yesterday regarding Hurts and that knee. Uh, expected to practice this week, uh, you know, play Sunday thought of as not being anything real serious. So that's, that uh, obviously is, is paramount, man. That's the biggest thing you could possibly have. So that part of it is huge. Um, You know, defensively, if you look at it, Derek, all things considered, there's positives and negatives. Let's start with the positive. They're, they're great against the run. They've been awesome. They're the best team in football right now. They're, they're giving up less than 63 yards per game on the ground, which is X. I mean, beyond good points allowed. They're middle of the pack, 20, 0.1 0.1 points per game passing game again a little less than middle of the pack 227.4 the passing game to me is a little bit more understandable considering the injuries they've had like I can live with that part of it as long as we see steady improvement on that um I think the biggest thing is start getting more takeaways if, if you know if my checklist here of things I want to see from the defense start getting more takeaways I want to see some solidification which I think Bayard will bring um to the secondary which would be big you know, maybe the linebackers just making a few more plays. It does. It, it they've been okay, but you just 
at least for me, and tell me if you think I'm wrong here. I just don't feel like they've made a lot of where I'm like, oh man, you know, Moro, I guess had a couple earlier in the year, but there hasn't been a ton since. Well, not in the last three games at least, but yeah. they're but they're playing solid. You know, they're not liabilities. Um, yeah. you know, uh, you're right. I would like to see this team get more turnovers right now. I believe they're yeah, they're minus two in the takeaway giveaway department. You know, they've taken the ball away nine times, but they only have three interceptions. This team was one of the top intercepting teams a season ago. They have three this year, you know, and yet they've thrown eight interceptions. And granted, some of those interceptions were not on Jalen. They were flukes. You know, we, we chastised. It goes back, go back to last year. Same thing with the Dak. You know, Dak racked up like, what, 15 INTs. Look at how many balls ricocheted off, off the hands of receivers. Yeah, Re- Quarterbacks go through those things, you know. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, they're tallied in a stat sheet as an interception. Quarterback threw the ball, didn't make a difference. Who touched it? If it's in the opposition's hands, that's an interception. I think they need to tweak that a little bit. But obviously, they never have. And I don't think that aspect of the game ever will. But they have to get better. You know, they've got nine turnovers through seven games. Right. That's less than two a game. That's yeah, not that ain't, that ain't cutting it. No, that's nope. not what I expected to see. And that's not going to cut it as they continue to navigate through some of these uh, tougher waters against opponents. That that number could catch up to them. I mean, they've, what, three weeks in a row consistently lost a turnover battle. Luckily, you know, they, they lost one. They won one, you know, mm-hmm. over the last few weeks. Oh, no, um, listen, no question. I, I mean, I think – I think that that area will get better as these guys get more acclimated and and right. Byard. And I mean, look, that's Derek, that's a lot of career interceptions, 27. I mean, that's a lot yeah. of picks. I know. So man. he, he is a ball Hawk and he is a guy, he's a, a center fielder back there surveying the field at that free safety spot. That, that that's the other thing with him. He will get you picks. So that's a, another reason why this was a good move by the Eagles. That's for sure. But it is funny, man. Like you would think, you would think if you're Tennessee and and the and the AJ Brown thing clearly has been a massive mistake, just by human nature, I wouldn't want to be doing no. deals with Howie again. But hey, no, no. that's what it is. No, no, I, and and, I, the, and it's funny how he keeps going back to Tennessee to get what he needs. You know, um, I, you can't blame Howie for trying. At least you know, and and like I told you guys when Howie said. After the Super Bowl loss, he said, this loss is going to stick with me for a long time. Yeah. Well, free agency, the draft, training camp, leading up to this moment, it's still it's still spinning in the back of his mind how they let that Super Bowl slip through their grasp because that team was built to take it all, and they had a complete shutdown in the second – I shouldn't say shut, the complete shutdown. But they gave it up in the second half, the last 30 – the first 30 minutes of that game they control. The last 30 minutes they let it unravel. Yep. And that is stuck with Howie. Yep. And, you know, this move today, I don't think it's the last move from Howie. I really yep. don't. I don't either. I do not either. You never put anything past them, too. That's for sure. All right. Uh, we'll come back. We'll look a little bit about uh, – look a little bit deeper into some Eagles numbers, both on the offensive side and the defensive side. And we'll look ahead to the commanders, Derek. Uh, we'll get them for the second time this season. As you mentioned a little bit earlier, played a very close game with them, escaped, you know, really uh, at home. But this game is in D.C., so we'll talk about that as well and some of the other things going down uh, in the league. A little later, we'll do our typical NFL segment. Anthony Sanfilippo at 1230 to get us ready for a game. First game seven, by the way, in the history of the Philadelphia Phillies. Derek, they've been around since 1883, and they've never played a game seven in the postseason. How crazy is that? I know, but is that good or bad? I, it's bad. It means you haven't been in enough playoffs. <laughs> it's, it's bad, man. It's not good. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're going to experience something tonight we've never experienced before. So uh, 
Yeah, hit the seatbelts. Get ready. All right. Uh, let, let, let's tell the good folks, and we mentioned a little bit earlier uh, about Blocks and what Blocks is all about, right? Blocks is the largest scholarship organization in Pennsylvania. They've raised $110 million in scholarship dollars just last year, all awarded to families who qualify for tuition assistance. Yes, awarded more than 17,000 need-based scholarships annually. You can direct your scholarship donation to any private or Catholic school in Pennsylvania. Participation in the program is simple and takes only a few minutes. You send your check to Blocks, B-L-O-C-S, B-L-O-C-S, and they do the rest. It's that simple. Blocks, B-L-O-C-S dot org slash tax credit. For more information, development officers are standing by to answer any questions you have, and you can have your account or financial advisor contact them, and they will walk you through from start to finish. Yes, average HHI of a Blocks recipient is 55 thousand dollars demand for tuition assistance outpaces the supply of tax credit scholarships by nearly three to one there is little to no out of the pocket cost for you to participate uh for a few hundred dollars you can fund a child's full year tuition to a catholic or private school blocks graduates 99 percent of their scholarship recipients versus 64 percent graduation rate of the Philadelphia public schools. 96 cents uh, of every dollar raised by blocks goes directly into the hands of a family who qualifies for tuition assistance and can be, can be only used uh, for scholarships and tuition. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed the most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. 
Win and save this baseball season from Colony Pools and Power Washing, a local company serving Delaware, Delco, and Chester County since 1970. Are you tired of looking at your greenhouse? Is your roof, siding, deck stained green from algae and mold? Let the experts pressure wash your home and take the pressure off of you. Win with Colony Pools and Power Washing. Call them now at 302-762-2250. That's 302-762-2250. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging with us. We do appreciate it, everybody. We are Sports Take, uh, Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn. And let me let everybody know uh, about my man, my guy, Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, because uh, I can tell you from personal experience, trying to find the right person to trust with your finances uh, is a challenge. And I did with Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business, you need help with your employee benefits, uh, and that's another resource that Jim can help you with. I know personally, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k roller with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. That much is for sure. All right. Give him a call. 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751 is how you reach him. You can also email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal. Dot com. All right. Welcome back in, everybody. Just wrapped up our uh, our discussion with Terry McCormick from Titans Insider. Gave us some insight on the Kevin Byard trade. Uh, the Eagles acquired him yesterday. Uh, if you weren't sure about that, uh, which was I thought was an excellent move by the Eagles. Didn't give up much uh, in return for him. So, Gunner, they give up a, a 2024 fifth and sixth and Terrell Edmonds. Look, the, the fifth and sixth are crapshoots, and you had a lot of picks anyway. Edmonds. Let's face it, average at best player. You talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, you know, Mike Tomlin's not letting him go if he can really play at a high level. So you upgraded. I mean, that, that's the only way I look at it is what did you do for yourself this year? You upgraded in a big way. What's up, Fitness Rebel checking in? But yeah, I mean, I, I look, I, I think that um, smart move by the Eagles. It really is. And it's a very Howie ish kind of move. Smart. Um, They identified they needed something and. <clears throat> it wasn't a move of desperation because they're six and one. This is a move of trying to make a good product even better. Yep. Um, the kids in the back end they're relying on can't stay healthy or, and, or they can't stay healthy. And they're still a little too raw in terms of, of, of giving them what they need with the schedule that they're in. Now they survived against the likes of a Miami, um, but the laws of averages in this game um, catch up to you, all all teams, sooner or no later. No doubt. No doubt. You know? And no Howie doubt. took a preemptive strike to make sure that didn't happen, or hope it doesn't happen. Um, because uh, I love what Terry said about him um, in terms of what he can do, being versatile, all pro, uh, so on and so forth. But another guy who I've known a long time, and you know him as well, Teron Davenport basically said there's concerns about him being able to cover tight ends, cover in a slot. 
you know, that he's possibly lost the step. Mm. Now, I trust Teron. Teron Davenport, he worked in Philadelphia, he works for ESPN.com. Teron is an excellent baseball, an uh, excellent football guy, just like Terry. Yep. So you have two different opinions on why Tennessee let him go and, of course, what he potentially brings to the Eagles. So that's something to keep a clo- close eye on. You know, one guy gives them glowing reviews about, you know, the locker room. The locker room thing is huge. Obviously, you want a high-caliber player. But in this Eagles organization, the first thing they want to know is beyond your talent on the field, what's he like in terms of integrating with uh, with teammates? Mm-hmm. You heard Terry say, great locker room guy. That's exactly what this Eagles organization is looking for. Somebody who comes in here, fits in, plus he knows a few players from here, plus he's coming home, you know, coming home to Philadelphia. Yep. Now we, we 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 have to wait to find out, and and not just a one game sample, because the first game or two is probably going to be a little rough, you know, sure. with him understanding. He may not be on the field as much as he'll be as time goes yeah. on. Yeah, you know, understanding the personnel around you, getting accustomed to the terminology here. Right. Your job description may change a little bit in terms of what they ask you to do here in this scheme compared to as to what you were doing in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take a few game sample before we get a true great true gauge of what he he can bring to the table. Now, if what Teron is saying is true, that means Eagles that have a problem like everybody else with Travis Kelsey. If he has if he's suspect in terms of covering the tight ends and stuff like that, they got a few teams coming up with some decent tight ends. You know, you know, Giants have Darren Waller, you know, and say what you want to say about Waller, his health issues. Waller still, we're talking about a guy who's six six and a good pass catcher when he's healthy. Let me me just give you a little something here, Derek, Uh, just an example of the difference between the way the Eagles operate and the Cowboys operate. So Jerry Jones doing his, you know, infamous radio hits that he does with 105, uh, uh, 105.3, the fan in Dallas. Okay. Which he does every week. We talk about it a lot, but he was asked about the trade deadline approaching. And he said, quote, it'll have to come our way. I don't want to preclude it in any way, but it always does. That's not showing a lack of aggressiveness. That's just where it starts. I like where we are with our personnel today, so I'm not thinking in any way that we need to upgrade our roster. And, and when I hear things like that, I think if you're an Eagles fan, you got to be thanking God that Howie Roseman does not approach things that way. Yeah. He's always on the, on the hunt, if you will, and always looking to get better and not satisfied. Jerry is just, they got to come to us, and I'm satisfied with what we have. Okay, great. That's good news if you're an Eagles fan. You would you would think for somebody who hasn't had a relevant playoff team or Super Bowl contender in over 25 years would be even more desperate than an Eagles team that went to a Super Bowl in 17 and 22. You know, Jerry, your America's team has been tarnished. Your team has become a laughing stock because when you do get to the playoffs, you're one and done. You know, that should be motivation in itself. What are we missing? You lose a you lose a cornerback you just paid ninety something million to, um, in, in digs, but you're saying you're okay now. Maybe you are because I don't know your depth chart, but the fact that you could use another corner, you could definitely use another receiver, and you're saying you like where your roster is right now. You're okay. You're four and two, but you but you struggle to get the four and two, and you lost a game you shouldn't have lost. How can you sit there and say that your roster is fine the way it is? You know, you, you you come out publicly saying we are committed to, to, to getting back to the Super Bowl, and then you come out of your face saying that you're fine where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, well, because you're fine where you are is, is exactly the reason why you're going to be where you're going to be at the end of the season, a playoff team that, that's one and done. You know, if you're committed to winning, how many one and dones can you be satisfied with? Right. 
you know. Yeah. And that's why I've said jokingly and seriously, they need to lock Jerry in the room until the season <laughs> over. Let his son, Stephen Jones, run the organization, put a fresh spin on the organization, and see what Stephen Jones, because as long as Jerry has a hand in, number one, pulling the strings on players, number two, publicly saying stupid things that contradict what you say before about how committed you are to winning, you're right. going to be exactly what you are, a mediocre team. Yeah, it's Sills, Sills jumps in. There, there is the problem. Jimmy Johnson was daily trying to re- – uh, replace the bottom 1% of the roster. Jimmy made 57 trades in five years. Look, we we it, we all know uh, they have never been the same since that split. Like, they did have the one carryover championship that Switzer won, but we know that was all, that was all Jimmy Johnson. That was all Jimmy Johnson's, yeah. Ever since that breakup, it, it, the Cowboys have never been the same. And as long as J- Jerry Jones is upright, Derek, you have no chance at that muzzle being put on him. He is going to continue to do it his way. And that's it. That's all there is to it. And that, you know, again, if you're an Eagles fan, you're thrilled. It was the same way I felt about Daniel Snyder. Washington was never going to get out of its own way with that guy owning them. Never. Yeah, no. we'll see what Josh Harris ends up doing. But he runs this team like he runs the Sixers. You're going to be okay there, too. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> Had to work a little Sixers zing in there. Um, all right, so a couple things. Um, positive, negative. Um, let, let's start with Jalen Hurts here. 1,800 passing yards so far, Uh, nine touchdowns, eight interceptions, two fumbles, 67 completion percentage, 87.8 passer rating. He's rushed 74 times for 274 yards and and, and six touchdowns. Let's face it, Derek, it's it's been an okay year for him. Like he's had moments of brilliance. He's flashed at times, made a couple of flash plays on, on Sunday night, but he's also turning the ball over at an alarming rate, uh, 10 already, which is more than he had all of last season. Um, if he can just clean that part of it up, I think we can start to get, you know, the visions of the guy that we saw last year, but until that starts, you know, he hasn't been the same guy so far. Well, because, because the rumors are running amok in terms of how long he's been injured. Um, even if he got injured in a Jets game, Jalen hurts less than a hundred percent is still better than most quarterbacks in the national football league. Yep. Look at the last two games. The Jets and Miami had the heat on him. He was still able to escape on a bad leg, and he was still able to escape with a, with a, an apparatus on his leg, which slows him down a little bit, and deliver, and deliver the ball when he has to. Okay. If he's going to have to navigate through this, then so be it, because your option behind him, I don't want to see that option on the field. Now, we still don't know, and we don't know if it'll ever come out as long as he can function, right. just how bad this, this so-called injury is with him. You know, he may have to he may have to limp through the entire season. We don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if that is the case, then we're going to have the high moments and the low moments. If the, if the first seven games are an in indication of what's to come with Jalen, then we're going to ride that proverbial roller coaster with him all season long. But, it get, it, but if it gets you to the finish line as the number one team in the NFC and the number one seed in the NFC, number one, number one team in the NFC East, number one seed in the NFC, you take that because you still have him on the field and not the sideline. I don't want to have to see him sitting out two or three games, especially crucial juncture of this season, which could cost them the possibility of having that number one seed at home. That sure. top seeding and playing one less game is huge in terms of trying to get to where you want to go. And I, I look, I know it worked out to the Eagles' favor last year, and but the, the fact that it's only one team now that gets that by Derek, 
Yep. I, I I really do think it should be the top two. Um, I know it's I tricky too. with the way it's set up now with the additional teams and all that. But but anyway, uh, yeah, I hear you. Getting it is is huge. It is. It, it really is. It's a it's a big time difference getting that. So a couple more positives here. AJ Brown's on on a serious like unbelievable oh. pace. Oh my goodness. 52 catches. He's already got 809 yards. He's averaging more than 15 and a half yards per catch with three touchdowns. I mean, he he threw it out there in the beginning of the year and he wasn't lying, man. He is he is tearing it apart so far this season. And I see no reason why that's going to stop this week against Washington. No, I, I don't either because Washington's corners can't match up with him. Um this guy's on pace for uh, like an 1800 yard season, you know which would be well over 300 yards better than what he did last season in terms of breaking Mike Quick's record of 1409 uh, for the most receiving yards in the season. Yep. Um, he's big, big hands, sure-handed, makes the difficult catches, not the fastest guy out there, but runs a great route tree and can, you know, he's very deceptive in his route tree and can get by you, you know, and make you pay in a hurry. We've seen him put a lot of, DBs on the highlight reel, double coverage, you know, one-on-one bad mistake on your part, trying to cover him one-on-one his body size is too big for smaller corners. And I'm talking about even corners who are six foot six, one, mm-hmm. his body mass is too big for them to try to try to contend with for a 60 minute football game. Um, if he stays healthy, he's going to obliterate Eagles records this season. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. Um, offensively, Derek, they're fourth in scoring at 26.6 points per game. They're fifth in rushing, 142.7. They're ninth in passing. So, I mean, all look, you're in the top 10 in, in the, the big three categories. Yeah. Um, you know, doing things, you know, pretty well here. Uh, mentioned the defensive numbers. The, the other good thing is, you know, DeAndre Swift, um, 514 rushing yards. He's more than five yards per carry. He's got two touchdowns. He's averaging um, more than 73 yards per game. He's been really good. I mean, he's clearly the feature back. I think we went in not being sure exactly who it was. And and while the numbers haven't really stood out in a big, big way lately, nonetheless, I mean, this guy's been very good. I mean, for a fourth rounder that you gave up to Detroit, that's a that was a really good move by Howie for sure. Oh, my goodness. Th- there's no question. And Howie comes up with these gems. And even when he makes these deals, he makes the deals to where it doesn't hurt them in terms of what they want to do for the next year. You know, you look at some teams that have to give up a lot of high draft capital to get what they want. You know, you look at what the 49ers gave up to get a Christian McCaffrey, you know. Um, Howie is so good at maneuvering and, 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 and getting what he needs at a bargain basement price, even if it's only for one year. You know, as was the case with C.J. G.J. Look what C.J. G.J. was on the back end of that defense for one season. Yeah. You know, he tied for an interception lead. He was great at covering. You know, he was a great cover. He was a short tackler. You know, I hope Bayard is is all of those things. You know, his resume says his in the past that's what he's been, the interceptions. Um, smart, heady, uh, physical player. I hope he's all those things that they need because that's a that's huge in terms of making that defense that much more complete. Oh, listen, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, there's a, um, there's a, he's obviously very, very well thought of, um, you, you know, across the board, um, you, you know, as, as to what kind of player he is. Um, that's for sure. I mean, we heard it from, from Terry McCormick. We talked to a little bit later. That's, you know, there's no doubt about that. Um, 
So a couple other things, and I, I like doing the sort of the numbers thing just to kind of put things in perspective and, you know, who's doing what. But, you know, Josh Sweat's got five and a half sacks already. Uh, he's got five tackles for loss. He's got 19 tackles total. He's forced two fumbles, and yeah. he's got a pass defense. He's becoming a Pro Bowl edge rusher um, yeah. and, and really took that step last year, you know, right in front of our very eyes. He, he is – he's that guy. You know, to have him and have Reddick both coming off the edge – You've got two nasty guys. You really do. I mean, Reddick's got 14 tackles, five and a half sacks, seven tackles for losses. And he's 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 shown you that he has the ability to defend the run at a very high level, too. You got two studs on the edge. Oh, there's no question. The key is keeping them healthy. Every time, every time um Josh Sweat bends around that corner, I'm holding my breath, man, because I hope that knee doesn't resurface, rear its ugly head on him. You know, he got through last season. Um, you know, so far so good this season, and he's playing at a high level. He's on pace for another double-digit sack season, um, and you're going to need that. You're going to need all the pressure you can get coming up. You know, it was evident against Tua. You've got Mahomes. You've got Josh Allen. You've got Geno Smith. you got Dak coming up. They're going to need that. They're going to need that. They're going to need both sides. You know, we know what Reddick brings to the table when he's healthy now that he has that cast off his hand. And even if Reddick is not getting a sack, his ability to put pressure, put heat on a quarterback, to speed up that, that quarterback's mental mechanism. A lot of times it'll force a quarterback to miss an open window, to throw a ball to a spot and the receiver's not there, pick, so on and so forth. You know, the luxury that the Eagles have in terms of having those two guys off the edge is huge. Yeah. And huge is huge. The thing that surprises me is how Brandon Graham's numbers have been way down in terms of snap percentage. Now, yeah. Yeah. Brandon basically said, as he did last year, that his sack, that his, his snap percentage could decrease again this year, and lo and behold, it has. And if you think about it, we haven't heard Brandon Graham's name about much all season long. No, you know, and you know, I, I wonder, Derek, are they just pacing him till for the end of the year, or do they feel like he's just not the same guy? I I don't know. It's a great question. It's hard to tell, you yeah. know, um, because obviously he's healthy, you know. Yeah. And he does have a high motor, but you know, a high motor at 35 is a lot different than a high than a high motor at 27, 28, 30. Yeah. You know, but he's still valuable in terms of reading a offense, technique, being able to be moved, loop around to the inside as well as from the outside. Yeah. He still has some value with this team, but I'm just surprised that his snap count is down to where it is right now. I thought it would be a little better than that. I am too. I am too. All right. So let's look at the young cats. Uh, Jalen Carter, three and a half sacks, 13 tackles, five tackles for losses, two forced fumbles. Jordan Davis, two and a half sacks, 19 tackles, two tackles for losses and a forced fumble. They have two studs. They have two guys who you could potentially see being here and, you know, going on a Fletcher Cox kind of uh, those kind of careers. I mean, if they both keep their heads on straight and they stay healthy, I mean, that's, they have been, they're they're no longer like I I don't even consider Jalen Carter a rookie anymore. I feel like he's that established. And Jordan Davis's improvement from year two one to year two has been awesome. Really has something to behold. And and they and they have these guys together under rookie deals for at least three more seasons together. Yeah, you know, even if they decide to pick up the fifth year option on Jordan Davis's contract, that's that's three plus years they're going to be together. These guys, these young guys, could be the top D tackle combination in the NFL for years to come, you know, and the way the Eagles like to build their team from the inside out, what a foundation to set, to, to, to build your team around in the future 
with these two and Milton Williams, because let's face it, Fletcher Cox is in the twilight of his career. Yeah. And we don't know how much longer he's going to be here, but we do know this. The Eagles are very good about keeping players that they identify as good locker room players and players who are worthy of trying to help them get to where they want to go. Fletcher Cox is that guy because they went out and re-signed him again this year when he possibly could have made more money somewhere else. And Fletcher wants to be here, like Brandon Graham wants to be here. But you also have to be very careful that you're not keeping a player beyond his effectiveness. And I don't mean this year because Fletcher has been effective when he's had to be in certain crucial downs and situations, especially passing downs for the opposition. But sometimes the team can be loyal to a fault, you know. Um, and, and and Brandon Graham has meant a lot to this organization over the last five years. But I'm sitting here wondering, you know, Brandon's my boy. That's my guy. Right. I'm wondering, have they kept Brandon a little too beyond his effectiveness? Yeah, I, I, I that may we the answer to that we may not know till the end of the year. I, I, I do wonder if there isn't a little bit of just build up, build up, build up. He's going to get more reps as we go. You know, here's the other thing, Derek. I mean, you don't want to have sweat or Reddick off the field all that much. No, no, you, you know don't. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, in, in fairness, I, I, man, I'll take my chances with those guys all day. So I, maybe that's just a little bit of it. It's only natural. You, you want the guy who can be, you know, have the greatest impact out there. No offense against Brandon. I'm just saying those guys have been awesome. So if he was playing on a lesser team, maybe he's getting more time. Uh, we'll see. You know, I think, I think the Brandon thing is a, a sort of wait and see, if you will, uh, for sure. I'm going to go back to the last time they played the Commanders. So it was a uh, it was a tight one, obviously. It went to overtime, and the Eagles won 30, 34-31, a game that was was a sweat. Um, that's for sure. Um, Hal had a, probably his best game as a pro, Derek. So Sam Hal went 29-41, 290 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, 98 mm-hmm. passer rating. Uh, McLaurin had a good game, eight catches, 86 yards. Um Hertz had a nice game himself, 25 to 37, 319 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, a 112 passer rating. And A.J. Brown, as he's been doing against everybody, nine catches, 175 yards, and two touchdowns. So the, the last game was a shootout. There's the, the Eagles need to clean things up. That's That was one of those games where you saw a lot of breakdowns, and I thought the new guys being thrown in there is what really – you noticed it a lot in that game against Washington. Oh, there's no question, question about it. Um, you know, Washington <coughs> swung away, gave it the best chance they could possibly give them, and they still fell short uh, in experience at the quarterback position, obviously. That was the big difference in that game. The thing that really surprised me about that game was Washington was four for five in the red zone. Yep. Four for five in the red zone against this Eagles defense in that game. That was huge in terms of keeping that game close. There were 18 total penalties in that game. And, you know, we talked about how the Eagles officially had no penalties in this game. I'd be shocked if the Eagles don't have six, seven penalties in this game against Washington because it's a division game. Because Washington's ticked off, there's going to be some extracurricular stuff going on. And both teams at certain points in the game are going to get get, get caught. You know, uh, Eagles had 11 penalties in that last game against Washington. 11. You know, no coach wants to see his no. team with 11 penalties. Washington has seven. I expect the total of penalties to be somewhere in that neighborhood. I thought Washington also did about as good a job um, slowing down the Eagles' running attack. They held they held, they held the Eagles to 104 yards running, the football, when they had been chewing up people before that meeting. Washington's front four is going to be a problem for this team. 
And we're seeing teams put the last two opponents in particular, the Jets and Miami. Look at how many times they were blitzing to try to make Jalen uh, do certain things he didn't want to do. Yep. Um, I expect Jack Del Rio to do the same thing. You know, their front four, their D-tackle combination of De'Ron Payne and Jonathan Allen uh, are as good as anybody in the National I football. I agree. Team. And they're both angry. <laughs> and they're both ticked <laughs> off right now. They're both ticked off. That team is ticked off. Yeah. See, it's one, thing, it's one thing when a coach steps to the podium and he speaks with passion and anger in his voice. You got to hear from the players, mm-hmm. and when the players say, when 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 the, when the so-called leaders of the team come out and speak that way, you know that's the sentiment across the board. Yeah, in that locker room, and the fact that they've lost four of the last five, and the fact they get another shot at these Eagles, you know, I picked the Eagles to win the game. You know, you asked me today, tomorrow, leading up to the game, right before kickoff, I picked the Eagles to win this game because the Eagles keep finding ways to overcome anybody else's. Um, and they keep finding ways to overcome adversity. And no matter what teams throw at them, they keep finding a way to put W's in the win, in the win column. Yeah. yeah. I fully expect them to do that again this week, but I don't think it's going to be easy by any stretch. Of the yeah, it never seems to be, especially in yeah. the NFCs, especially with that team. But yeah. I'll tell you, Derek, for, for some of the talent they have up front, this defense, just from a stat standpoint, is not impressive. I mean, no, it's not. no. they're 29th in points allowed. Yep. They're 21st against the run and they're 28th against the pass. I mean, I expect the Eagles get in the 30s again. I have no reason not to believe that they can't put up 30 some odd points like they did last time they played them. I, I agree. I agree with you. Um, the only thing is you have to stay balanced because Washington does have 23 QB sacks. Yeah. So they yeah. can't get after the quarterback. Right. Don't don't do like you did against the Jets and play into their hands. Were you letting those four first round draft picks come after you, and you know maybe a delayed blitz from a linebacker or a safety? Yeah. Don't play into their hands. Have a more balanced attack the way you did against Miami. Thirty four rushing attempts to thirty one pass attempts. That's the best way to take Washington off his game and to stay ahead of the curve. Sustain drives, chew up the clock, protect your quarterback. Try to establish that run against them. You know, if you start putting the ball up again 45, 50 times like you did against the Jets, you're asking for problems and you're asking your quarterback to take unnecessary hits again. Yeah. Well, let me give you one with a bad knee. Let me give you one other stat on the flip side of that. Um, the the Redskins, the geez, the commanders have allowed I know, have allowed 40 sacks, four zero this year. So this defensive line of the Eagles should eat. Like, yes, they should go crazy in this game. You know, the, the, I heard a stat, a stat earlier. Um, yes, I believe it was yesterday that Washington is on pace right now for Sam Howell if he stays upright and breathing to be sacked ninety six times this season, oh. which would shatter the NFL record. I believe the NFL record is like ninety. Uh, yeah, it would destroy it. It would destroy yeah. it. Yep, I think seventy six is the record of a quarterback being sacked in a season. Or quarterbacks for a team sacked in a season. Yeah. They were shattered at record. You have to find a way to do something to do a better job of protecting Sam Howell. Yep. Because the Giants basically teed off. Every time Howell stepped back to pass, the Giants' in, uh, defensive line was teeing off on Sam Howell. Mm-hmm. That was a big difference in that game. You just get four or five easily. Easily. All right, let's come back. Let's set our sights on game seven. The first time oh, this has oh, happened. Oh. In Philly's history, they've been around since 18 freaking 83, and they've never played a game seven. So, Anthony Sanfilippo, yeah, Anthony Sanfilippo, our buddy from Crossing Broad, is going to hop on with us. We'll preview, we'll 
We'll commiserate from last night, and we'll we'll see if the Phillies have a chance to win this bad boy. We might mix in some Flyers. We're off to a hot start, D-Gun. Hot start for the Flyers. We will get into that as well. All right, don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We'll talk to Ant when we get back. All right, want to remind everybody about Blocks. Yes, Blocks is the largest scholarship organization in Pennsylvania. They have raised $110 million in scholarship dollars just in the last year, all awarded to families who qualify for tuition assistance, award more than 17,000 need-based scholarships annually. You can direct your scholarship donation to any private or Catholic school in Pennsylvania. Participation in the program is simple. It takes only a few minutes. Send your check to Blocks, B-L-O-C-S, B-L-O-C-S, and they will do the rest. It's that simple, B-L-O-C-S.org slash tax credit for more information. Uh, average HHI of Blocks recipient is 55000 Demand for tuition outpaces the supply of tax credit scholarships by nearly three to one. There is little to no out-of-pocket cost to you to participate. For a few hundred dollars, you could find fund a child's full year tuition at a Catholic or private school. Blocks graduates 99% of their scholarship recipients versus 64% rate uh, to the Philadelphia school districts. 96 cents of every dollar raised by Blocks goes directly into the hands of a family who qualifies for tuition assistance and can be only used for scholarships and tuition. Right back. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Win and save this baseball season from Colony Pools and Power Washing, a local company serving Delaware, Delco, and Chester County since 1970. Are you tired of looking at your greenhouse? Is your roof, siding, deck stained green from algae and mold? Let the experts pressure wash your home and take the pressure off of you. Win with Colony Pools and Power Washing. 
Call them now at 302-762-2250. That's 302-762-2250. Derek, I'm Rob. Hey, before we get to Ant, let me let everybody know about ProAction Restoration. Yes, ProAction Restoration is the place you turn to if your home, your business, a property you own goes through the pain and the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke, mold damage. ProAction Restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. They are licensed, bonded, fully insured, serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction will work in conjunction with your insurance company. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. All right, appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Looking forward to talking to our next guest. The last time we talked to Anthony, it was under much better circumstances. This, the team was in a much better place than they are right now. And yes, that is Anthony Sanfilippo of Crossing Broad. All right, Ed, I don't know about you, man. I put a tweet out there earlier saying, you know, just let's put on our big boy and big girl pants here. Everything's going to be okay. It is panic in the freaking streets. I, I like, I went to Wawa early this morning. I have every, everybody's like, dude, what do you think? And everybody's like a zombie. Um, should they be this scared? I guess is where I'll start. Uh, no, you shouldn't be this scared because you know why I say that, Rob, if I was to call it, say, say to any of these people who, who are scared, let's have a conversation back on March 30th when the season's beginning. And if I could guarantee you on that day that the Phillies would have a game seven of the NLCS at home at citizens bank park with a chance to go to the world series, would you take it on March the 30th? And every one of them would have said yes. Now we're here at that moment, and everybody's worried about it. And I get it; I understand it. Like you, you, we react in the moment. Mm -hmm. But I think I think sometimes we need to pull back and look at big picture and say there's three teams still playing baseball, and the Phillies are one of the three. And if they can win one more game tonight, they'll be one of two playing for a championship. I don't know why you would be nervous about that. Like this is good. This is this is good energy. This is good excitement. Well, okay. let me add to that, Gunner, real quick. Let me just add that. And you have a guy who has been a phenomenal postseason pitcher on the Hill. And I understand the young kid who's pitching for the Diamondbacks pitched really well last game. I'm taking yep. nothing away from him. But I'll take Ranger Suarez in the friendly confines versus a young guy who hasn't pitched you know, at Citizens Bank Park. And I think tonight we'll have more juice than last night. I think that matchup also bodes well. I don't see Harper being shut down two straight games or Schwarber for that matter. All right. End of rant. Derek, the floor is yours. All right. Um, Anthony, I, I'm going to counter with what I said to Rob earlier in this show. Uh, I've been covering sports over four decades, and I'm not talking about just football, but I've covered, I've seen this too many times, this scenario where the junkyard dog that you're supposed to put in, in the crate for the rest of the season all of a sudden has a, the bark gets a little bit louder, okay? Now, we watched this Arizona team from afar go into Milwaukee and steal two, and they went into Los Angeles in a fan base as rabid as Philadelphia. They shut them out three straight. So what happens? They come and they play the big boys in Philadelphia. 
they're shook. There's no question. They're shook. They're overwhelmed the first two games with that crowd and who they're playing, and the Phillies took it to them. All they needed was a sliver of hope. They win a come-from-behind game in game three. They do the exact same thing in game number four. They give the game right back to Philly, the momentum right back to Philly, game number five. They're dead to rights coming into Philly. They Nobody's going to beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Not only do they beat them, they hold this high-powered team to one run with a pitching staff that has no business pitching in the majors for the most part, and your number one through three hitters go over the night. And as we saw in that game last night, they resorted back to some bad habits at the plate that we watched periodically throughout the season. They're swinging their things up in the rafters, down in the dirt. So that tells me they were desperate. They were shocked. You, you had a weak-hitting team hit back-to-back homers on Aaron Nola, who was pitching lights out the last six times he was out. All they needed was a prayer. All they needed. And now they know that they can win in Philadelphia. This has been their theme all playoffs. These junkyard dogs are not supposed to be here. And now, just like they were in game five, we're playing with house money. We're not supposed to be here. There's no pressure on us. Now, I will say this too, Anthony. If I'm a betting man, everything I have, every dollar, every material thing I own, I will put on the Phillies tonight because Suarez is on the mound. You're not going to keep these big boppers in the park all night like you did last night. But I've seen that junkyard dog rise up too many times in other sports I've covered, including football. And I just don't like this game seven scenario because if you were playing a proven commodity, let's say you were playing the Dodgers here. They played a big game. Okay, that's different. But you're playing a bunch of kids. They're like, hey, you're 23, 24 years, a light-hitting team. We're in the seventh game of the NLCS. What the heck do we have to lose? I don't think we've let Anthony talk the entire interview yet. No, it's yeah. great. I love it. I can sit here and listen to Gunner go all day. I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. saying. I agree with you both 100%. I'm confident about this Phillies team. But I'm sitting here going, they held this team to one run in their backyard last night. Nobody's done that in the playoffs. That's all I'm I think in a seven-game series, especially one in in – at this juncture of a of a tournament, maybe earlier, maybe in the earlier rounds, you see the you see the underdog kind of catch the big boy, right? I think in these games, when it gets down to this point, the better team usually wins. Doesn't always win. Yep. Doesn't always win, but I think usually the better team wins. And I look at it, I look at the series that happened last ended last night in Houston, and yes, Houston was the home team. But there's no question at this point, you look at the way that the Rangers have been playing, yep. they are the better of the two teams. Houston was, the, in a way, even though the, they, a lot of people looked at them as the favorite, in a way, they were the, the junkyard dog who had to keep coming back in yep. that series. Texas got on them quick, won the first two games. Yep. Houston punches them back you know, with the big home run by Altuve in game five, and you think, all right, there's Houston. You know, they're in, they're inevitable. But they're there every year, so they're just inevitable. And then the Rangers said, oh, yeah, we're the better team. We blow you out in game six and seven in your ballpark. That's what happens. The better team usually does it in, in, in a seven-game series at this juncture in the in the playoffs. And that's why I think the Phillies are going to be that team. They're, they're just – I look at this Diamondbacks lineup, and they're scrappy and give them a heck of a lot of credit. They're going to be a good team down the road. Yeah. But it's just not the same. I think that I think that the Phillies recognize the moment. Everything that you hear coming out of the clubhouse last night made me say they're they're not feeling the pressure. They're not sitting there going, our backs are against the wall. Like, they're saying all the right things, and you can see it on their faces. They believe. Now, 
if they lose it tonight, then we have a lot uh, a lot of postmortem that we have to do. But I think that the, I think this is a Phillies team that understands who they are in the grand scheme of things and they're going to perform tonight. And let's assume Ranger goes five or six in, in their quality innings. Okay, let's assume that. Yeah. How does it work after that? Because as Rob Thompson said, it is all hands on deck. Everybody but Nola. Um, are you? Would you? Or do you think they would save Wheeler for later? And how how do you think he would he would play that? I know some of this depends on matchups. Lefties are coming up and right. I get yeah. that, but yeah. ideally, what do you think? How do you think it breaks after Ranger? Well, I thought it was really interesting in how he used the bullpen yesterday, and it, basically he saved everybody for today. Yeah. Uh, the guys he used yesterday are guys he probably does not want to use tonight, including Kimbrel, including Kimbrel. Yeah, right. Um, and so I think that you know you, the guys that you expect to be available for important outs tonight will be obviously Hoffman and Alvarado, uh, probably Matt Strom, maybe Sir Anthony a little bit earlier, and definitely Zach Wheeler. I think those are the five pitchers that you're going to see in some capacity possibly tonight. And I asked Wheeler last night, I said to him, I said, you know, when you do a bullpen session, how many pitches do you usually throw? He says, well, it depends. You know, he says, it depends on what where we're at and how I'm feeling. He says, sometimes it's as few as 15. And then he turned and really looked me in the face and he said, as many as 40. And I think that the way he was saying that was like two you, innings, two innings. I'm there for two innings. Wow. And so like, I, I think that's a possibility. And I really think Wheeler's a possibility too, because the, as you've seen, the diamondbacks have a very right-handed lineup. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that you're going to get those pockets of righties that the only way that I don't think Wheeler, and not to say that you wouldn't want Wheeler to pitch against Carroll and Marte, but if you have an opportunity to go Alvarado against those guys, because then you turn Marte around and bat from the right side where he's not as good, I think that's where you'll see an Alvarado at the t- at the very top of that lineup. But as soon as you get to three, four, five, six, those guys who are all right-handed, if the option is we need a right-hander, it's probably Wheeler. Mm. Interesting. Anthony, is there, is there a part of you that also worries about strategic moves by Thompson? Like he could get a little skittish and pull – Suarez too soon as he did in Suarez's first outing, something like that. Look, I we saw that it worked in game one against Atlanta. Right. Right. Where they went basically with a bullpen game, played yeah. the matchup game against Atlanta. But I think it I think that you had to do that against the Braves because the Braves lineup was just so much deeper and so much more dangerous mm-hmm. that you had to play that matchup game. I, look, starting pitchers don't pitch long anymore, Derek. They just don't. You know, if you get five innings out of a starter in the playoff game, you're happy at this point. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is. Six is great. Seven is, oh, my God, that's an unbelievable performance. Nobody goes eight or nine. So so if you get five innings out of Suarez, awesome. If you have to pull him earlier, okay, but then you got to rely on six other guys to do a job. And the the, oper- the possibility of six guys being on in the same night that's walking a tightrope in my mind. Mm. So I'd like to see Ranger go at least five innings. If he's pulled sooner than that, I think you're worried about where the Phillies are in the game at that point. And two, two questions off of this. Do, do, you, do you think he'll keep Bohm at four? And do you think it's been a mistake to keep Bohm at four? Because clearly, you know, Harper and Schwarber, although I, I don't know what team would want to pitch to them, but they, they they're clearly not getting pitches. Uh, you know, and this applies more to Harper with the Bohm question, but do you think he'll switch it up, and has he made a mistake not switching it up? He will not switch it up. The lineup is going to be exactly the same. Yeah. Um. And that's just that's how Rob is, and 
and, and I think that there's merit to that. And, I, and to answer the second part of the question, no, I don't think you should change the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I don't is because I think that you run the risk of creating more issue with your hitters in the lineup if all of a sudden you're making a move in game seven if you did even if you did it earlier i think it 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 tells players maybe we don't have confidence in you at this point and then now you're really in your own head right if you're struggling as it is now the manager doesn't believe in you the team doesn't believe in you now there's all that immense pressure by going with the same lineup it's like we're okay Everything's fine. We believe in you. We trust in you. And you're going to go out there and get the job done. And, and the argument I, I've been making all week with why they shouldn't change the lineup is, are the Diamondbacks suddenly going to pitch to Bryce Harper with somebody else batting behind him? Nope. So it doesn't matter. Yep. Like, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not like Bryce Harper suddenly going to get fastballs over the middle right? because you moved JT Real Muto into that spot or Nick Castellanos. Castellanos has not been good in this series at all no. other than game one. So, like, it doesn't matter who you put in that spot in the lineup. I think Bryce Harper's being pitched around. And so these guys have to do their job. And it's the Phillies lineup is better when it's longer. And if you start moving, I mean, Real Muto's probably the guy I would think that everybody would say move him into that spot because he's at least been decent at the bottom of the line, towards the bottom of the lineup. So if you put him at four, that's fine. But then you would have five, six, seven, eight, nine, where Stott has been just All okay, right? Yeah. right? Um Cast Bohm, who has not hit Castellanos, who has not hit Marsh has been Marsh okay. has been okay, and then yeah. Rojas, who's like a pitcher hitting yeah. like a pitcher. So the bo- whole bottom <laughs> of your it's the truth. The whole he's batting oh ninety eight or whatever he is, right? Yeah. So the whole bottom of your lineup would then be is a mess, yeah, a mess, right? So the, so why change it? Keep right. some possibilities at the bottom or towards the bottom of the lineup where you have at least every other hitter kind of going right now. Mm-hmm. All right, Anthony, uh, we we agree across the board in unison that this should be the Phillies' night. No, no questions asked. But there's a little voice in all of the back of our heads. And I have to ask you because you cover this team. Give me one thing that concerns you about tonight. It's baseball, and baseball is an is a random game sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes you can be doing everything the right way and things still work out against you. And that's why you didn't want to get in. That's the one reason you didn't want to get into a game seven. Right. Because it could be it could be something as stupid as you know, pit, you're, you're giving up like two or three infield singles, yeah. right? Like, or you're smoking bullets right at or smoking up, right? Can't. Exactly. Like things yeah. just—it's the way that the sport happens sometimes. So that's if you're having a concern, it should be that. Yeah. It's just that baseball happens to you sometimes, and you know, and that's why it's it's interesting. That's why they play 162 games, and you say, well, they should shorten the season. Yeah, but listen, over 162 games, even the worst teams win 40 percent of the time. Right. I mean, it's, it's a, there's no like re, there's never a real guarantee in this sport. And so, like, that's the one thing where you sit there and say, man, this team is so much better. And now they're in a winner go home game in a sport where things just happen sometimes. And that's I had a buddy who texted me last night and and he he went to um, uh, the first game three in the NLCS. He, he we took his son to. Yeah. But he, he's he's annoyed because he you know he's outpriced now because it, it gets more expensive as the, as it goes on. Yeah, where I'm going with this is, um, did you feel like last night the Phillies team took the crowd out of it a little bit, or it was a little bit of a different crowd because the prices are continuing to rise and it's a little bit more maybe corporate or not quite the 700 level, if you will, type of fans? Did did you sense that? I thought it was that there was two things wrong with with the the atmosphere last night. One, of course, is the Phillies. It, look, you have to have a symbiotic relationship, right? Yep. I mean, the fans can only yell and scream and cheer for for so long without having anything p- 
positive happening on the field, right? So the Phillies have to do their part to keep the fans engaged. Mm -hmm. Uh, But secondarily, starting a game at 5 o'clock on a Monday, I think, is the killer. Because Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, when that game started at 5 o'clock, there were empty seats. Now, they filled. They got filled in by the second or third inning. Like Most people were – every seat was full. Um, But just getting down there for a start of a game at 5 in the afternoon – that was the challenge. And so, therefore, you didn't have that just that little extra that they've been having for all these 8 o'clock games. I kind of felt like that was the case, too, for the 5 o'clock start against um, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought that game was a little weird uh, at the beginning. Now, the Phillies had a good game. They got all, they hit well in that game and really kind of got things rolling. And so that it didn't end up costing them. But what happens here is they don't score in the first inning. And then Arizona gets three in the second. And now, yeah. all of a sudden, it's like, you just walked into the ballpark. You're trying to catch up and like, what's got, oh my God, we're losing already. What's right. going on? You don't have that energy that's been built up in, in anticipation. I don't think you'll have that problem tonight. I think with an eight o'clock start, that place will be full from the beginning and the energy will be there right off the top. Anthony, I think one of the lost arts in baseball has been situational baseball. Now we yeah. know the Philly, Phillies are so aggressive on the base pads and it has been tremendous in terms of their enhancing their success. But as, as powerful, as potent as this lineup is, do you think they should go to small ball a little bit more? I mean, let's let's bunt. Let's move some guys over. I, mean, you know, I, I think that there's a possibility of seeing situations like that tonight. Yeah. I mean, when you get yeah. down to it, you, you pull out all stops, right? Yeah. I mean, they did it in game five. And when you think yeah. about it, pulling the double steal and Harper stealing home, right? I mean, so they tried it, tried it there. I wouldn't be surprised to see stuff like that and to see the sacrifice bunt and to see a hit and run and see – you know, more steals or double steal or something, delayed steal, things along those lines. Um, and even Arizona did it at one point last night. They kind of created their fifth run, yeah. um, but with a with a bunt and, then, you know, moving guys along and, you know, stolen base and a bunt. Um, so I think that those things will come into play a little bit more. Um, but more than anything else, I think what, what the Phillies need to do tonight is they need to be a little bit more patient. Look, they worked they, – they worked – uh, Merrill Kelly. They got him out of the game after early. five innings, right? They worked him early and they had him like his pitch count was going up. And then, but the thing of it is, when you look at it, they had, they swung at 15 first balls. Yep. 15 of those plate appearances swinging at the first pitch. Even though they ended up working him, they put themselves in, in bad counts so that the pitcher counts. I think sometimes you have to let the pitcher make a pitch first. Look, look yes. if, if, if Brandon Fought comes in tonight and and he's throwing strikes, and you want to be aggressive at a first ball pitch, go ahead. But let him establish the fact Mm -hmm. that he's going to be throwing that many strikes early in the count. Work him. Let him him feel the environment. Let him feel the crowd going crazy when he's throwing balls, right? Like, let him feel that. He's never experienced that before. So I think that change could happen tonight. I don't necessarily know if the Phillies will be as aggressive on first pitch uh, first pitches in in their at bats. I, yeah, I, I think I'll make a difference. I thought pitch selection and and I and I thought also, uh, you know, may, maybe this is a byproduct of putting yourself in a hole, but particularly with Bohm and Marsh last night taking balls right down the heart for for strike three, and then they're looking at the ump, and I'm like, dude, that was right there. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it was. They're pressing. I, mean, I don't think Marsh is necessarily. He's been fine, but Bohm's clearly pressing right now. 
so I mean, Boehm had two hits yesterday, yeah. but it was they were not great hits. They were one weak. fist it the other way, and one. Well, look, I mean, sometimes you need to do that to get yeah. out of what you're just doing, right? Just yeah. to just to kind of say, okay, I know I can go with the ball where it's pitched, and I hit it the other way and get a little single. So maybe that helps. Who knows? But his at bat in the first inning was bad. That's the one where he swung at a pitch in the dirt for strike two, and then looked at a pitch over the plate for strike three. Um, I thought Trey Turner's at bat in oh. the second inning. He swung at three pitches. They were all out of the zone. Every last one of them was out of the zone. And I kind of knew that he was going to swing at the first one because um, Arizona's uh, pitching coach goes out to the mound. And the, what the Phillies have done this year, a lot of times when there's a, uh, a mound meeting, is they know that a pitcher's probably looking to throw that next pitch over the plate just to kind of get a strike, and they attack it. And so the Phillies usually do that. But it looks like in that instance, Merrill Kelly threw him a, a breaking ball that was in the dirt, and, and Turner was ridiculously aggressive on it. I mean, Real Muto struck out on a ball that was at his eyeballs. Yes. Right? And later in the game as well. He, so he reverted last night back into last year, uh, you know, yeah. bad, I'm, bad they're, stuff. They're chasing. And Castellanos, I think he's 0 for his last 18, and nine yep. of them are strikeouts. I mean, you got you to gotta start being more more smart at the plate. And I think I think you'll see a better focus with that tonight. We, we always talk about, you know, in, in big game situations, you have to give something to get something. Um, and we were jokingly talking about Rojas right now, can't hit his jersey number. But his defense has been spectacular. Yeah. Um, would you would you give up his defense? Because they do have a couple of guys who are maybe not as quick to the gaps, but they play good defense, maybe get a little bit stronger bat in the lineup. I, they're not gonna do it to start the game, but I wouldn't right. be surprised if I wouldn't be surprised if if they're losing. If they're, if they're ahead or they're tied, Rojas is staying in. Yes. Um, but if they're behind and he comes up in a spot where it's like, here's an opportunity to get some runs, then I think you could see a, a pinch hitter at that point. Mm. Not that they have great pinch hitters on the bench. I mean, you're looking at Jake Cave, Edmundo Sosa, Christian yeah. Pache. Yeah. Now, Pache is as good defensively in the outfield. I mean, he really yeah. he doesn't really play center field much lately because he's been in left field because Rojas has been in center, but he's just as good in center field. So you could get a spot. And I, you know, I was curious about this last night. Like I thought that he could have pinch hit for Rojas in the seventh inning. You had Marsh on, on base. There was an opportunity to get a run. Maybe you get back to four to two and see if, you know, see where things are. And then you turn it around, you get Schwarber to the plate with a runner on base, you know, whatever. Um, and he didn't, he didn't pinch hit for him because, and he said it was because they had the lefty Mantiply warming up in the bullpen. So if he says, I can't go cave, because then they bring in Mantiply. But it's the seventh inning. At that point, you go cave. He brings in Mantiply. You can counter with Sosa. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, would you rather have Rojas against the righty that's in there, who you know he's not going to hit, right. or Sosa against a lefty? Like, to me, I'd rather have Sosa against the lefty. I think you have a better chance at a run. Yeah. So I thought that was a mistake, but I think that tonight, given the same opportunity, sixth inning seventh inning if they're down i think you'll see the i think you'll see the pinch hitter mm. all right and i gotta sneak in a hockey question before we get out of here uh okay. flyers off to a three one and one start they're in vegas tonight uh they, they actually started off pretty decent last year you tend to forget that because everything yeah. went <laughs> you know off a cliff but uh are, are, I, I don't know how much you've been able to, to even pay any attention to them with this phillies run but is this an improved team? Is this kind of a, a bit of a mirage early here, what we're seeing here with them? I, I wouldn't jump to any conclusions with the Flyers yeah. just yet. Um I, I think that they're gonna be a they're gonna be a team that competes and they're gonna give you games like this. Two things I would point out. One, John Tortorella's 
training camps are hard. He's very old school. He makes them skate and skate and skate. So these guys are at mid-season conditioning at the start of the season, whereas most teams don't employ that as part of their training camp. They let the beginning of the season kind of be the, you know, get, right. get into hockey shape kind of start of the year. Um, and I think that's what caught up to the Flyers last year. It's like they got up to this great start. And like, oh, look, this team's actually pretty good. And they fooled themselves into believing they were competitive when they really weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what what this group understands is, is that this this team has looked good, but wait until the other teams start skating. And then all of a sudden they might not look as good. And then secondarily, a lot of times because it's the Flyers, the opposition is going with a backup goalie. Which was the case in Dallas, right? And they got Wedgwood, right, is the in goal in Dallas, and they scored four goals on them, and that's great. Um, I think once you start seeing the the starting goalies, you're going to see that the offense isn't as good as it's been to start the season. But all these things that I'm saying, they're playing hard, they're playing smart, and I think that they'll be a little bit better offensively. And forwards helping out defense, adding Couturier and Atkinson back into the lineup really helps in that regard. So I think that they're going to be a fun watch, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't I wouldn't raise any level of expectation. Got all it. right, and, and I got to ask, I got to throw a Sixers question in there to you. Yeah, this, this, getting this, all. you're getting it all. You're getting it all. Yeah. This 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 James Harden fiasco <laughs> is, is become yes. is reached epic proportion. How should the 76ers handle this? Just ask him to stay away. Um, I think that you you suck it up and get whatever you can get at this point. So I think just, you just take you, you 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 eat it. Look, you want in all in all honesty, you won the deal to get him here mm-hmm. because you see what Ben Simmons has become, right? He's, yeah. The, the yeah. Nets don't even like him, right? I mean, so like so like you know this is this is the right thing. You got the right thing in that trade, but now it's gone so bad. It's like even if we take a loss on this, yep. Uh, the, in the grand scheme, it's probably a wash. So yeah. we probably just move on from where we were a couple years ago and do what we got to do. I, that's how I look at it. I think you just take what you can take and and let them go. Don't, don't even just, don't 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 let it drag on. It doesn't does the team no good. So so what if they trade him to a team he doesn't want to go? Says I'm not going there. Then they're still caught between a rock and a hard. You place. can still that's trade not, him. That's the team's problem. That's the, that's, that's, that's not your problem anymore. Loss. Yeah, yeah, you if that if another team is willing to take him on and then he decides he doesn't want to go play for that team, well, that's their problem. Yeah, no. like, you can't, they're not going to undo the trade because of that. The league's not going to say, Oh, sorry, you know, Sixers take him back. Like, no, that's not going to happen. But if you're smart, if you're smart as a GM, potential GM, I'll trade James Harden as long as he agrees to come here, right? I'm you're not, you're not making part. the deal unless you know, no, I'm not making the deal, unless yeah, you sure, come. you know what I mean, sure. Um, yeah. if he doesn't, you're still stuck with him if they say, Okay, oh, hey, deal's off. You know he's going to be a problem. We're trying to build something here. Deals off, and and that may have very well been the case already. Because I think what's happened here is I think that you know while Daryl Morey is trying to get the best possible return, I think he's realized that the Clippers are the only team that's interested, but only to a point. Yeah, and they're not going to negotiate against themselves, and that nobody else wants them. Yep. And so if nobody else wants them, I just take what the Clippers are offering and say, "See you later." Like, go ahead, go. We'll 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 manage. We'll get by. Yeah, no question. All right, you can catch all of Ant's work, Crossing Broad, of course, and also the Crossed Up Phillies podcast with Bob Wankel and Snow the Goalie, uh, which is excellent as well. You do a really good job on all of them, Ant, across the board, man. And we always uh, always enjoy having you on. Look, man, I'm hoping we're – 
I'm hoping we're talking next week and we're or the end of the week and we're previewing a World Series. I think we will be. I think I we do will too. be. I feel I, good. I, I was asked for a prediction this morning and I said five to three Phillies tonight. And I think that that's what it's going to be. I think that's where kind of general area. It's going to be a closer game, but I think that they still win it. I like it. I like it. And keep up the good work. Thanks for giving us a couple minutes. Thanks, Thanks boys. It. Love being on. Take yeah. care. That's Anthony San Filippo of Crossing Broad. Got a good insight there from, from Anthony as always. Absolutely. Uh, no question about that. All right, let's get a timeout. Let's do our uh, let's do some NFL. We have some news about an, a former Eagle uh, injury yep. news, yep. so which we'll, we'll we'll fill you in on, and we'll hit a bunch of other stuff with the NFL. Everything that's that's going down. End of the show. Your boy Giannis got paid. All right, man. Can, can you spare a dime, Giannis? Oh, Bucks looking good in the East, man. They looking oh, good in the East, baby. Yes, NBA kicking off tonight. In fact, Gunner, they they will they will begin tonight. The the NBA. It's good, crazy. Another good sports night. You know, you get a game seven in baseball and, and first uh, night of the NBA. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right, let's get a timeout. We'll come back. Like I said, we will talk some NFL when we return. But it is time to talk to you again about Blocks. Yeah, B-L-O-C-S is the largest scholarship organization in Pennsylvania. Yes, you can spend your PA tax dollars more efficiently. You can fund a scholarship for a student in need and get a 90% tax credit refund. Yes, raised 100 blocks did raised 110 million in scholarship dollars last year all awarded to families who qualify for, tu- for tuition assistance all families awarded uh in in this in this process are very needy uh award more than 17,000 uh need-based scholarships annually you can direct your your scholarship donation to any private or catholic school in Pennsylvania participate in the program or participation in the program is simple and takes only a few minutes you can send your check to Blocks, B-L-O-C-S, and they will do the rest. It's that simple, blocks.org slash tax credit. For more information, uh, development officers are standing by to answer any questions you have. Uh, and they also, uh, you can forward your, your account information or financial advisor contact, and they can walk you through this thing. Average HHI of Blocks recipient is 55000 uh, Demand for tuition assistance outpaces the supply of tax credit scholarships by nearly three to one. There is little to no out-of-pocket cost for you to participate. For a few hundred dollars, you can fund a child's full-year tuition at a Catholic or private school. Blocks graduates 99% of their scholarship recipients versus 64% graduation rate of the Philadelphia public schools. 96 cents of every dollar raised by Blocks goes directly into the hands of a family who qualifies for tuition assistance and can be only used for scholarships and tuition. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there and it was just a, a memory that You'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. 
At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome back in, my friends. Uh, appreciate it, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Tuesday. He is Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. All right, so Gunner, let's talk some NFL. This is this stinks. I, you sent over this text a little bit earlier than I saw the uh, the story on. It's a shame. Uh, so Zach Ertz, um, yep. former yep. Eagles tight end, they're putting him on the IR in Arizona, uh, according to the NFL Network, Mike Garofalo and Tom Pelisario. Uh he, he's got 27 catches, 187 yards, and a touchdown. He suffered a quad strain on Sunday. Uh, there is the plan for him to return later in the year. But, you know, at that point, I, I if I were him, I was hoping I'd stay healthy and I could maybe get traded out of that mess. But it looks like it ain't going to happen now. That's for sure. Yeah, he's, su- he's such a good dude. And yeah. I'm sure his mindset is, you know, I know my days are numbered in the NFL. I just want to go out with a chance. Right. And he's stuck with an organization that only has a chance of picking, getting the top pick in the draft next year. Yeah, shame. It's shame. He's such a good dude, man. And um, you know, he's been he's been nicked up since he's been in Arizona. It's a shame, you know. And that was part of the reason why the Eagles let him go here. He had injury history here as well, you know. Right. Um, and they weren't going to pay two tight ends top money when they drafted Dallas Goddard. He knew that he could possibly be on his way out. Yeah. Yeah, no question. All right, a bunch of uh, other injury updates for you here. Uh, we talked to uh, Terry McCormick a little bit earlier who covers the Titans. We talked to him about the Eagles acquiring Kevin Byard 
Um, Tannehill will practice again today. And basically Mike Vrabel implied it's, it's either going to be Malik Willis or Will Levis. And, and you know what I say to oh. that? It's about time anyway. It's, it's about time. You know, you know, time to move on and find out what you have with those two guys. I, I understand, you know, if, if your quarterback's injured, you got to do what you got to do. But right now, Tennessee's sitting at two and four. Yeah. And it doesn't look good, but the season is not over. You know, when teams make transitions like this this early in the season, basically you're telling everybody else who's playing their heart outs, we're playing for the future, you know. And we got to see what this kid has. And that's kind of demoralizing. You know, players say, I'm out here putting my body on the line. I'm trying to win. I want to see what we can do. You know, I've got incentives of my contract. And we get to the first, second, or third rounds of the playoffs, I get a $40,000. And basically, you just told us we're playing for next year. I don't even know if I'm going to be here next year. Yeah. You know? But in this case, Tannehill's injured. But then again, is he, is he really injured? Because you know what happens, Rob. Sometimes you tell a medical staff, doctor, that injury, we got to try one of these kids over here, you know? Yeah. You know, I hope he's serious. I, no, I don't hope he's seriously injured, but I hope it is a legitimate injury. Yeah, and they're not just sort of forcing him to, in, yeah. in, in, yeah. on the shelf. Yeah. I, I get you. I got you with that. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing is just to stay on Tennessee for a minute. So the speculation is that they're absolutely selling parts off at this point. You know, obviously, Bayard would, would lead people to believe that. So the question is, Derek, could this be the last game that Derek Henry plays for the Titans this week? Ooh, ooh. There is talk. Hey. There is talk. I but here's the thing. I just are are teams gonna give up what Tennessee could potentially want to get a running back? I don't know. Dep- depends. You know, we know to some teams will sell out. If they think they have a shot at a Super Bowl this year, some teams will sell out. I don't know what Derek Henry, I haven't looked at the numbers, what his contract status is. Let's say he's in the last year of a current deal. Okay. And if you have enough space under the cap, it's not going to hurt you in the books after this season. Hey, if we get a Derrick Henry to balance out our, our game, we got a decent offensive line. We just need to improve that running attack, you know, a little bit. We got a decent front running back. You put him in the mix. Now we got that pro- proverbial dual threaded running back. Yeah. Somebody may take a shot at that. You know? Maybe. Uh, yeah. But again, I haven't looked at Henry's numbers to see how many years he has left on his deal. I know he's making good money. Yep. Good money. Yeah. You know, so. Especially for running backs these days. Heck yes. Oh my goodness, yes. Okay. So uh, the, the story that will never quite go away, Aaron Rodgers continues to rehab his torn Achilles tendon. He continues to talk about playing this season. Um, you know, he, he started the chatter last week. Uh, he, he tried to you know, well, he started it, then he was trying to sort of dial it back a little bit. But he last night he was on ESPN's Manning. I didn't watch the Manning cast. I watched the regular broadcast. Right. Um, and he said, quote, uh, listen, uh, I'd love to come back this season. I think for me, you always have to set a goal. Otherwise, you kind of go crazy. And so the goal is definitely to come back. But there's a lot of factors that go into it. But I've got to the point where I can protect myself and do what I do. I, look, I, I'm sorry. And I, I, I get it. I, I, I know rehabbing. It is a great thing to have that, that character. You, we're expecting this guy to potentially come back in a, you know. Three months. Three months. Four-month span from a torn Achilles, one of the toughest injuries still this day and age to come back from? Nobody's nobody's done that. Even Terrell Suggs, who came back, he had surgery in, in, in May, April, May, and came back in September. That's a little different. Um you're talking the dude injured it the first game of the season, which was like September 10th, 12th, something like that. October, November, December. 
You're talking about three plus months. The season, regular season ends January 7th. So not even a full four months of coming back and to play the quarterback position where you have to be so mobile and pivot and do all this stuff. Now, unless he has some witch doctor we don't know about or some of this peyote he's smoking, which which if it if if if, if it's the peyote he's smoking, if it heals him that fast, then every medical entity on this planet needs to grab this stuff, whatever it is, yeah, and give it to people to help the healing process, whether it's knee replacement, shoulder surgeries, whatever the case may be. I don't think there's a chance that he's coming back this season off a ruptured Achilles. I really I, don't. I, I don't either. I don't either. Um, if you've watched any of the uh, the difficulties the Rams have had in their kicking game, you're not surprised yeah. by this. Yeah. Uh, Brett Merritt's gone. They, they 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 blew him out of there. Thirty three year old. He missed two field goals and an extra point in a seven point loss to the Steelers. Like you, you it, it doesn't get much worse than that. Hey, that's seven points right there, right? Yeah, you're you're in overtime. <laughs> you know, worst case. But uh yeah, so he's gone. He's gone. They're the trying out kickers as we speak. So uh makes sense. You know what I mean? We'll work, I I we can get it. Yeah, you look, I, I I hear you. And there's there's always a bunch of dudes just ready. Break class glass in case of emergency. You know, we Ooh. know how that works. Uh I thought this was interesting. So the Dolphins have been selected as the in-season team for hard knocks. You remember they started doing it last year? Yep. In season. I I think they're, because look, McDaniel is a sort of weird eccentric guy, you know, uh, two is interesting. Tyreek Hill's interesting. There's a lot of personalities on that team. Um, I like it. I think it's a good choice by the league, actually. I think you, you have some characters on that team. Jalen Ramsey is close to returning. Xavier Howard is a Pro Bowl corner. Neither one of them played against the Eagles. Um, you have Tyreek Hill on that team. You have Jalen Waddle. You have some very colorful characters on that team. You know, it's one thing to do it in training camp, and a lot of teams don't want to do it because they look at it as a distraction. Kudos to the league for trying to give people a better perspective of what goes on during a regular season. But if I'm a team, and especially if I'm a struggling team, but not Miami is, I don't need that extra, that, that distraction. You have to be on your P's and Q's every day. You got to be careful what you say. You got cameras following you in your offices. and so I don't need that. Mm. You know, teams are routine. We all have routines in our life. When we get up in the morning, to, from the time we get up to the time we go to bed, we have certain routines we don't like disruptive. Yep. You know, and to me, that's disruptive. Now, again, I give the league credit. Obviously, they're forcing it on teams. And, yeah. you know, I don't know if teams have the leeway of saying no or not, but, um, because I've covered the game for so long, it doesn't do much for me. It doesn't move my needle. But for a lot oh, of yeah, fans, I hear, I hear. you know what I mean? For a I lot hear. of fans, this is great access to see what goes on during a season. Yeah. 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 You've lived it. You've seen it up close yeah. and personal. Um, weird story. The, the, the Bijan Robinson wasn't used most of the game last week by the Falcons. And then all of a sudden, he, he kind of got plugged in late. And okay. Arthur Smith, the coach, said, he wasn't, you know, quite feeling like himself and headaches and nobody knew exactly what was happening there. So he, they say he's fine now, but the league's looking into it because he wasn't put on any kind of injury report because of it. Um, and you, you talked about this, you know, potentially as well uh, with what game we were we talking about it with maybe Cleveland or some other, I forget what, who it was. It wasn't this one, but you know, kind of along the lines of what you're talking about, the league's now looking into it to say, hey, was he hurt or was he not hurt? Because let's yeah. face it, 
Gambling is big money, Derek. Fantasy football is big money. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You start that guy in fantasy, and all of a sudden he doesn't play for reasons that are sort of cloudy. Yep. It's like, what what really is happening here? So uh, that one that one is, is one to keep your eye on to see if the league will come down on them in any way, shape, or form. When you, when you put it in that context, see, the first thing I'm thinking is, is he a person who deals with migraines? Right. You know, um, because you go back to Terrell Davis when he played with Denver. Terrell Davis had a history of dealing with migraines to the point he there's certain games he would have to come out of because the migraines were so severe. Yeah. You know, and you know, when you said the coach Arthur Smith said, you know, headaches, I wonder what it was. Did they misdiagnose a concussion somewhere? Um, does he have a history of, of headaches? Right. As a as a player. And I understand why the league's looking into it because you're right, you know. Um, now that they have a partnership with the gambling sites and stuff, gambling sites want this to be on the up and up because that's their money. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope it's nothing serious with him. Um, it was just a one-time experience. But when you got an electric player like that, yeah, and he's not on the field, mm-hmm. raises yeah. a lot of red flags. Sure does. Uh, speaking of that, how about Kareem Jackson, uh, Denver safety? Yeah, he got suspended for four games for repeated violations of unnecessary roughness. Now he's appealing it. Uh, but he would lose uh, $558,000 in salary if the four-game suspension stands. He was ejected again this past week. He had a sideline hit on Luke Musgrave, the Packers' tight end. It was the second time this season he's been ejected for an illegal hit, and he's got a history of this, you know, dating back, you know, a couple of years now. So, uh, you know, they, they came down on him. He got it because he, well, he, he, you remember, he cheap shot at Logan Thomas. Absolutely. Right under the really dirty end zone. Yes. Yeah. And there's a, there's anyway, there's a long history with him. I, I won't get into all of them, but there's, I, um, I'm surprised he hasn't been suspended before now. I think they've let it go too long. This guy's going to seriously hurt somebody. Yeah. And the fact that he's been warned and fined individually for games and he's still doing it tells me he don't give a you know what, you know, because now he's going to miss like 500 some thousand a game for doing this. Mm-hmm. Now that hits you in the pocket. You're losing oh, yeah. a couple million dollars. That'll hit you in the pocket. Yeah, that's no wrist slap. That's that's real. Yeah. 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 It's not like a fourteen, twenty thousand dollar fine. Now you're missing over two million dollars you're never gonna get back. You know, um, I'm surprised, I'm surprised Denver hasn't put him on the shelf. And I'm surprised the league took this long to suspend him. I mean, I look at some of the hellacious shots he's put on people, unnecessary stuff. No. You know, he's gonna he's gonna seriously hurt somebody, you know. No doubt. It's, you you gotta protect you gotta protect this dude from himself. Yeah, that's what it's come to. Yep. Uh, Chris Olave uh, was arrested Monday night in Louisiana. Uh, suspicion of reckless operation of a motor vehicle. He was doing 70 and a 35. You know, it feels like a this will be, you know, maybe a team fine and you and, and everybody keeps moving. I, I I can't see this resulting in any kind of suspension. Not, not that I'm taking 70 and a 35 lightly, but what, you know. what is it? What is it with athletes and the need for speed? Yeah, it's you the know. invincible thing, I think, you know, and you need an adrenaline rush more than anything else. But we've seen so many sample sizes, Rob, in recent years yeah. of excess speed leading to tragedy. It's true. You know, why Why are these guys still, you know, it's, I'll admit, I've done 50 in a 35. Yeah. But when you're talking about 70, in excess of 70 in a 35? Yeah. You know, that, that's usually a reg- residential neighborhood when you're doing it. It is. It's a combo residential business. Where Kenner, Kenner, uh, Louisiana, is where why, it is. Why are you Why are you putting yourself in this situation to possibly have to apologize for something later? Yeah, I know. 
I know it's 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 just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, speaking of that, Justin Ross, the uh, the Chiefs rookie receiver, uh, it, it was arrested on a a felony criminal charge of property damage of twenty five thousand dollars. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> was was it a was it a boyfriend girlfriend stuff or no? I don't I don't know. I I didn't it, it, they didn't weren't really really there wasn't a lot of clarity of exactly Jeez. what he did. But um, yeah, he's a he was an undrafted rookie. You better, you're not Tyree Kill, man. You better watch yeah, your P's and Q's. Yeah. Uh, you know, teams teams will cut you in a minute and think that they're making an example to yeah. get the overall team's attention. But when you cut somebody who's like the last man on the roster, you got a whole bunch of other knuckleheads that are still going to do what they're going to do. Correct. It doesn't. Now you cut a Pro Bowl player. That's a little different. But if he's at the bottom of the roster, nobody even thinks about it. Well, yeah, you, you're much more willing to put up with stuff if the guy is a is a, it's just a fact is a star. Yeah, yeah, not the case with this guy. So, uh, we shall see. We shall see with that one. Uh, Kevin Stefanski says that that uh, Deshaun Watson remains the team's leader. When you have to reiterate that the guy's the team leader, or you is, what does that mean? Yeah, it's a little worried. A little worried about that. I'd be a little worried about that. When, what, when, what, what it's been a weird mean? year for Watson yeah. so far. Why you know, do you they even, won their last two with Philip Walker basically coming in there and doing his thing? But why do you even have to say that? You yeah, know, everybody knows. If you cover the Browns, everybody knows he's considered one of the team leaders. Yeah. Why do you have to come out and reiterate that publicly? Maybe there's something else going on that you feel. The there you go. Happen. There you go. You now you're starting to think like D Gun. I like that. <laughs> you know, I like. I like that. You like that? Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's, it's something, something's going on there. Uh, that's for sure. All right. So a couple other odds and ends here. Uh, the, the hits keep coming for Buffalo. A lot of injuries, Derek, uh, Dawson Knox now has to have wrist surgery. He's out indefinitely. Von Miller has popped up on the injury report with a sore knee. That's the last thing they can afford right now. After, after that, the way they've been up and down, they're four and three. Um, on the season is Buffalo. That's one of the biggest disappointing starts. And I get it. They have been injured like legitimately, but you know, it, it, their next two games are not easy They're They are home against Tampa, but that's not an easy game Thursday. And no, then, no. then they go to Cincinnati who's trying Ooh. to climb back into this Ooh. thing. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Um, can't figure this Buffalo team out. And I understand a big part of it has been injuries, but even the offense, the offense is not look fluid uh, at all. You know, Josh Allen has one good game come back and, and, and throws up a dud. You know, it's it's mostly defensive personnel that's getting whacked. You know, they lost, lose a Dawson Knox hurts, but it's up until now it's mostly been a defense. Yeah. Uh, so you can understand the defense uh, giving up more than than usual. The offense not scoring like we're accustomed to. That's a that's a bigger scenario, and mm-hmm. you wonder where the problem lies. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've still got a lot of football, but you're right. They got some heavyweights coming up, which could define could define their season. Yep. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, all right. So uh Sean Desai, let me give you Sean Desai on Kevin Byard in the edition. He said, quote, uh, he is obviously a great veteran, has had a lot of success in this league, has played in a lot of different defenses, really smart, yep. great leader, have uh have gotten really great reports, really excited to get him in the room and get him going. So that's what the and if, if you're just uh, jumping on with us, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but uh, the Eagles have made a trade for Kevin Byard. Good good deal uh, for the Eagles. They give up a uh, later round picks in 2024. Fifth and uh, six. 
Yeah, fifth and sixth in 2024. And uh, Terrell Edmonds. Bayard comes over here. Um, He's been a really good player throughout his career. Two-time pro bowler. He's played his entire career in Tennessee. Played at Middle Tennessee State for college. But he's made 111 consecutive starts, Derek. He was a third-round pick initially in 2016. He's 30 years old. Um, you know, financially you're on the hook for about 2.4 this year. And he's got 13.6 coming his way in 24, mm. which isn't guaranteed, but 27 career interceptions. So he definitely Ooh. has a nose for the ball. That's, that's big. Yeah. And, and they need that. The, the, the turnovers have been lacking. The continuity on the back end has been lacking. And obviously it's due to a lot of inexperience. So now you've got a guy who, who can, who can actually, visualize what he's looking at without hesitation anticipation um on the ball um solid tackler very aggressive very physical um but he's 30 years old how much did he have how much did he has have left we have we've had two different reports on what he brings to the eagles table um i hope i hope it's more positive than negative it was with the case last year with cj gj and I hope this is another situation like this because if they can, you know, they play well against Miami. If they can lock down the back end of that defense, uh, they're going to be heck to deal with. You know, they already are, but even more so if they if they lock that thing down. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, look, considering what they gave up, which I don't think is a ton, they've definitely upgraded. Even though he may not be prime fired, he's still better than what they had, and he's still good. Maybe not, you know, pro bullish level, but still pretty good. So I think they improve themselves, and he's versatile. They need they need to create turnovers. We we talked about this. It's it's been a yeah. big problem with this team. Yeah. So that's another you know box that he checks off for them. See, and and in the bigger picture, also, um, so the Eagles had ten draft picks, and they give up these two, so they're, they're down to eight. How many compensatory picks are they going to get? We haven't even talked about those yet. They're going to have a whole flood. Think about all the personnel that's left this past offseason. They're going to get a number of of, of uh, compensatory picks, which is going to put them right back in double digits again for drafting. Mm-hmm. Which means how he can how he can also wheel and deal something else, mm-hmm. um, knowing that they're going to have these other picks coming in as well. That's why I said you know a week from the day is the deadline for trading, and I wouldn't be surprised if Howie's on the phone right now about the shockers by the end of this week with another move coming up. All right, let, let's think about positions of need. Right, I mean you could still add another more people in the uh, defensive backfield for sure. I would say with Julio Jones, they're probably done with receivers. Yeah. Maybe another running back. If they end up releasing Penny is a possibility. I'd be surprised. if they. I think Penny's an insurance policy for this team. Yeah. Based on somebody getting hurt. um, I don't think they'll give up on Penny. And plus he came here dirt cheap. He's not killing them capitalized. True. That's true. Um, they could use another corner. They could possibly use another linebacker. Yeah. Those, those are the two. Yeah, I, I can't really see much else. No, I can't even. No. I mean, but those, but those two areas are big areas, though. Oh yeah. no, they are. Yeah, that, it's it's very very real. That's for sure. All right, let's uh, let's get a timeout. Let's come back. Uh, we'll roll into the final segment of the program, Derek. We'll hit a bunch of things. Giannis gets paid. Uh, I'll throw Keith Pompey threw something out there a little bit earlier. It's got people cranked up from a Sixer standpoint. We'll talk about that as well. 
Uh, more information or details about this Michigan guy, staffer, University of Michigan, uh, with what's going on there. We'll talk about that. We'll get our predictions for Game 7, birthdays, movies, all that in store. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. They are experts at trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Keep in mind, you get you know good time of year to get your trees evaluated before the heavy stuff starts to hit in the winter. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information <clears throat> or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848 or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. 
back. Here we are. We are Sports Take. Let's hit the like button if we could, friends. Appreciate that. Uh, that is Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis hanging out with you on this Tuesday. All right. Keith Pompey, friend of the show, Derek, who covers the yep. Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer, threw out there earlier that the Knicks basically are willing, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing the way he reported it, but are willing to offer uh, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, uh, Mitchell Robinson, potentially picks are involved in this as well for Joel Embiid. Um, cool. You know, and, and the gist of it was, look, he 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 may be happy right now, but the with the the weight of all the stuff that's going on with Harden, and I'm not trying to speak for Keith here, but all the stuff that's going on with Harden and some of the other, you know, all the all the whips over the years, Ben Simmons, et cetera you know, may get to the point where Joel Embiid's kind of gets fed up at some point. And the Knicks have been lurking, trying to get him for a while now. First of all, if that's the package, I say thanks, but no thanks. That That's you, where we're starting. You, do you want Julius Randle here? No, I don't. I don't like anybody in this package. No, I don't either. None of them. I either. And, yeah, and throwing I, Fournier and some of that other garbage at the end of it is just wanting me to take their their bad contracts. No, thanks. Six, Sixers have to find a way to save face because basically if you do this, you lied to get Nick Nurse here, okay? Right. Um, you, you still have a nucleus that's decent and maybe still one of the top four teams in the East. You you can't get rid of – you. the only way you get rid of Embiid now is if the bottom just falls out and then you try to get rid of him by the trade deadline if you can, if you can get a haul for him in January right. or February or whenever – but now, going into the season, this fan base is already ticked off at the organization because of the way this thing has been handled. Yeah, um, They're already ticked off at you because for two years in a row, you bowed out in the second round. And you're going to take the one reason that they have to come to the arena to watch NBA basketball away from them? Mm-hmm. Now, the Brain Trust, the Moray, and, and Elton Brand and those guys, they made some mistakes. This would be a disaster to do this because basically – this team drops automatically down to the bottom of the East instead of staying in the middle or near the top of the East. Right. Yeah. As much like the, as much as we look at it and say, yeah, they're not good enough to beat Milwaukee, your Boston, whatever. Right. Like, you haven't beat. You do have a chance. I I get what the history is, and they haven't gotten past the second round. But at least when you haven't beat, you have a chance. And beat is traded. You are you're waving a white flag. Yeah, that's essentially what you're telling your. You're right. You're telling your fans that, and there's a lot of fed up fans right now. But the yep. ones who are still loyal yep. to you would then in turn say, "I don't want any parts of this. Goodbye." Right. And the place is going to is going to be a you know a you know ghost town basically is what it's going to look like. You don't want that, you know. No. And then how do you how do you make a move like that and tell your fan base we're committed yeah. to getting better next summer? Right. How? You can only sign so many free agents. You're not getting everything you want. And on top of that, let's face it, a lot of the big-name free agents, what do they want to do? They want to go to a team to put themselves in a position to compete for a championship, not a team that's rebuilding or retooling. Right. You know, all the big names want to go to Golden State, the Lakers, Boston, so on and so forth. Um, They don't want to come to the 76ers, which would be a middle-of-the-road type team. Nope. Nope. No appeal there other than money. And you just blew away a free agent with money, but no appeal there. I agree with you. Uh, NBA kicks off tonight, Derek. We have two games. Uh, yeah. 7.30, you have the Lakers at Denver. And Ooh. the late game is Phoenix at Golden State. Yeah, it's a nice doubleheader. So it's, it's a very nice, very nice doubleheader. Will Six you play. watch? Yeah, I will. I will. Yeah, you know what I'll do? Um, I obviously won't be 
very locked in on the Lakers in Denver. That's for sure. Uh, that it's going to come right in the heart of the Phillies game. Uh, but I will after the Phillies pop over to the Suns and, and Golden State. Yeah, for sure. That's I'll a good one. That That's, That's a good 10 o'clock. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Thursday, the Sixers start their season against oh. Milwaukee. Oh. Yes. Uh, your boy Giannis. How about, how about three-year, $186 million extension? Whoa. That's that's an average of sixty-two million a year. Correct. Yep. Hey, look, <laughs> Giannis said earlier this year, "I'm not committing long-term to Milwaukee until they show me that they're committed to being a championship-caliber team." Yeah. Milwaukee counters with, "How about Damian Lillard? Would that help you? Help mm-hmm. appease you? Does that tell you we're we're serious here?" Yeah. So then all of a sudden, Giannis says, "I'm in." <laughs> Bucks give him 186 million. Now for for a, a medium-sized market team. That's big. Number one to get a Damian Lillard because everybody thought he was going to Miami yep. or another another high profile team. Number one, mm-hmm. number two, Giannis has said for years that he wants to finish his his career in Milwaukee. He doesn't want to be one of these guys that always bounces around looking for a championship caliber team. This yeah. is the team that drafted me took a chance on me, and there's something to be said for that loyalty that doesn't exist in professional sports, and it's not just on the players. The, the loyalty is limited with the ownership also. In terms of moving pieces, but for a guy to say that you know, he wants to stay in the middle of a middle market team like Milwaukee, as long as you keep doing things to keep your program relative, I'm all in. Both sides have shown that in a matter of months. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I, I I applaud Milwaukee, man. I, I I they they did not want this to become a thing. They were aggressive. They landed a, a difference maker. And if in the meantime that keeps your player happy, your your superstar player happy, man, you 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 nailed it as far as I'm concerned. Now, hey, look, you know, we'll see, but they nailed it. I we're, think. We're, we're just good old down to earth Midwestern hard working people, man. All we want to <sighs> do, all we want to do is be relevant. That's it. All right. We're just we're just good old friendly Midwestern people, man. That's all good, we are. Good for you. Good for you. All right. You know, you people on the east, you people in the east could learn some things. <laughs> you people, are, you are on the east, man. What do you mean, you people on the east? I might live on the east, but I'm still midwestern. Oh, stop. All right. Uh, a few things. <laughs> moving on. Uh, all right. Did you see the latest on the Michigan mess? So uh, that that staffer, the the guy who was sort of an underling to to Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. All right. This guy's name's Connor Stallions. Yep. He's been suspended. All right. Um, he's at the center of an NCAA sign stealing probe. So apparently, allegedly, he purchased tickets in his own name for more than 30 games over the past three years at 11 different Big Ten schools. Jeez. Yeah. So obviously he was going there to, for some reason. It wasn't just a coincidence. Right. But apparently um, there is video evidence of him recording the signs, not just eyeballing, you know, and, and, and taking notes. Yeah. Uh, of him, him literally, you know, with his phone or with something else there, there's reportedly proof of that he did this. So uh, the NCA is expected to receive video evidence this week of illegal technology use in scouting tied to the ticket purchases. They're going to go back to each game where he bought a ticket in his own name and, and then do their own, you know, probe here. Right. So, right. uh, you know, I, I, what I really wonder about Derek, and I, it probably won't, but I don't know. Is this going to affect Michigan this year? I mean, some people have them uh, winning a national championship. They're undefeated. Uh, yep. 
Um, you know, will the I'll, NCAA come down and say, nope, sorry, bye-bye? How far up the ladder does this go? You know, Trust he, me, Harbaugh can say whatever he wants. This guy wasn't doing this on his own. Heck no, you know him and Harbaugh were collaborating on this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's easy to cry, I don't know, when stuff comes to the surface. And what do you do? You start with getting away with the least problematic scenario, which is this, this independent guy who was doing this on his own for the good of Michigan football. Yep. Well, you gave it to Michigan football. And if it can be proven that Jim Harbaugh received it and somehow used it, you know, little, little, little Belichick is in a, in a world of hurt. <laughs> little Belichick. Yeah. Little Belichick uh, in a world of hurt. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I think something could be coming down on this at some point. And, and, and Harbaugh's already on their bleep list. He missed the first three games of the season already for, for he was doing illegal contact during the COVID period with recruits. So. This isn't, yeah, I, I know, I know. It, it, it ain't going anywhere soon. I can promise you that much. You think these um, coaches don't know the parameters of what they can and cannot do? And always some coach, there's some coach out there. Uh, for every Jim Harbaugh that gets caught, there's probably 10 who won't get caught because they're not looking at it as closely. Um, and I think I think the NCAA just has something in for Jim Harbaugh, and they made an example of him, you know. Yeah. And yeah. now the other coaches who were doing it probably r- r- scrambled to cover their tracks so they couldn't be found out of doing it. But, yep. you know, Harbaugh's got to realize that I don't know who you tick, ticked off in the NCAA office, but they're out to get you. You got to make sure your P's and Q's are accurate, buddy. Yeah, no question. No question. All right, back to the uh, back to the Phillies. We have a Game 7 on our hands, Derek. As I mentioned, the Phillies have never played in a Game 7. Now, some of that is back in the day they used to only play five. They didn't play seven game series. The Phillies played in a game five. It was in the NLCS against the Astros, yep. which was a deciding game, which they won and they won the world series in eighties. But, you know, but nonetheless, it does speak to the Phillies. Maybe haven't played in as many playoff series as they should have considering they've been around since 1883. Uh, there is something cool as, as nervous as Phillies fans are. And I get it. There's something really cool, man, to a game seven. Oh, it's no just, question. it's everything. I mean, you're, you're holding nothing back. Like what it, it's it, it literally is all hands on deck, whatever it takes to survive. Do it there. Do, do it there, there, man. Do it there. Do it there. Yeah. The do great deal. Our buddy, Hugh Douglas. Yeah. I love, um, I love, I love game sevens. Um, yeah. The drama that precedes it, the storylines that come out. I love how networks, when they, when they're televising a game seven, they do, they do the montage of big moments in the previous six games and have somebody narrate over it. Yeah. And you have the dramatic mu- music underneath it. And every now and then you may have like a big facial expression, guys pumping their fists, you know, some, I just love the whole drama scenario of a game seven. Now, oh. if you're, if you're emotionally invested in one of the teams, it's a gut wrench. Whoever does, whoever comes out on the losing side of that leisure. Yeah. If, if, but in this case, if Arizona comes out on the losing side, the fan base is, you know what? They gave us more than we expected. If the Phillies come out on the losing side, you got fans who probably bet heavily that the Phillies are going to be in a World Series that'll be standing on the rails of the Walt Whitman Bridge doing this. Should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? Jump, you know. Well, especially you go up 2-0 in a series. Yes. And yeah. you could potentially lose it and you lose the last two at your place and you will have lost four of the last five. Like all the goodwill beating Atlanta, you know, you're taking care of business against the Marlins. Good season again, some, all the heroics. It's going to be hard to look past falling apart the way that they did. And that's what this would be. This would be a fall apart for sure. 
can you imagine how this loyal fan base would shred this team over the airwaves, radio, TV for the next couple of weeks? Yeah. This, this is this is um, as epic as the Eagles losing a Super Bowl against Kansas City. This this pierces to the core. Yep. Because there's no way Goliath should lose to David in this game in their backyard tonight. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, and and you will have lost you you would have lost the last two with Aaron Nolan, Ranger Suarez on the mound too. And yeah, you know, that's the other thing. And you had leads in game three games three and four. You had leads that you blew. Yeah. I mean, you really could have swept them out, and, yeah. and now potentially you're on the brink of 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 losing. That's a lot. But you know what? This is usually the moments where Bryce Harper and Schwarber really step up, like. It would really help if if Trey Turner didn't have the kind of at bats that he had last night, and somebody else helped. But this is where you look to Turner, and this is where you look. I mean, this is where you look to, to Harper and Schwarber to to carry the load here and, and take care of business. I think Rangers going to come out and pitch well for them. I hope but so. They, I they, they just can't leave men on base. Still, that's the other thing. No, and the high volume of strikeouts has got to cut down. He had ten more strikeouts last night. Yes. You got to cut down on a high volume of strikeouts. Yeah, no, you're right. It was it was too many strikeouts, that's for sure. All right, we'll give our predictions in a minute. All right, you want to do some birthdays and some movies, Mr. Gunn? Oh, yeah, why not? All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's start with uh, Drake. Drake is 37 now. How about that? Yeah, man. man. Unbelievable how quick that's going. Uh, Kevin Klein. Very, very good actor. Very funny guy. In a, you ever seen him in A Fish Called Wanda? He's hilarious in that. Love that movie. He's so good in that. Uh, he's 76 now. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. We, we referenced him yeah. a little bit earlier. He's 29 today. The Big Bopper, the old singer who who died in that plane crash with uh, with right Buddy Holly and, and that crew, Richie yeah. Valens. Yep. Uh, he was born on this day in 1930. That was the Big Bopper. B.D. Wong, who was an actor. Uh, is 63 years old today. Jalen Brown of the Celtics is 27 today. Monica, the singer, she's 43 today, is Monica. Uh, Bill Wyman of the Rolling Stones is 87 today. F. Murray Abraham is 84 years old today. Raul Esparza, actor, uh, he was in Law & Order, a bunch of other stuff. He's 53. Uh, Y.A. Tittle. Former NFL quarterback yep. uh, was born on this day, 1926. Giant and uh, 49er, part of one of the more famous pictures of him on the field. Helmet knocked off, blood yeah. coming down his bald head, <laughs> all into his face. It was like the epitome of like 50s and 60s football right there, wasn't it? I mean, I tell you what, old Rock'em Sock'em football. I almost thought you, I almost thought you were going to say blood coming down his balls. And I'm like, what? What? You said bald, you said bald head. I'm like, what? <laughs> Oh, maybe maybe it was going going there too. I don't I don't know, man. Oh man, they don't play football like that anymore. No, they don't. They don't. They sure don't. Uh, well, Corey Dillon, former running back, is forty nine years old today. Yep. Chris Hogan, uh, wide receiver with the Patriots, uh, formerly thirty six years old. I'm on Ross St. Brown, one of the better receivers in the NFL. Yep. Twenty four years old today. Uh, you have other birthdays for us, Mr. Gunn. Uh, we have um, David Nelson, uh, who was the older brother of singer Ricky Nelson, and of course they were all, they were both a part of the old black and white sitcom, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. Those, you know, right. they were the, those are real parents. 
That was yeah. a popular sitcom. He was born on this day in 1936. Okay. Um, Henry Sturgis Morgan, who um, is a co-founder of Morgan Stanley Investment Firm, oh. uh, was born on this day in 1900. Melvin Purvis. Melvin Purvis was an FBI agent who led in the manhunt and, and capture or kill Babyface Nelson, John Dillinger, Pretty Boy Floyd. Wow. Melvin Purvis was a big dude, big name back in back in the uh, back in the 30s and the 40s and stuff. He was born on this day in 1903, and the singer Daya or Daya, whatever her name is, Daya. is 35 years old today. Okay, okay. Uh, movies, some good ones here. John Wick, 2014. Oh, yeah. How many have they made now? Three? Four. Four. Wait, wait, wait. I just watched the last one, the trilogy. Three. By the so, way, did you ever see the Equalizer three? I haven't uh, seen it. Yet. I've not seen it yet, dude. Tony, no, have you seen that? Just throw in, jump in the chat if, if you want to just let me know. Uh, but I, 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 I forgot. I got to watch that, man. Maybe this weekend I will. Uh, you gonna I'll go to the movie? It. When do you have time to go to the movie? Tony hasn't seen it. No, no, I'll watch it on demand or something. I'm not. I'm not I don't know if it's on demand yet. Oh, it's dude. still not out. Okay, no, I don't no. know. You'll pay the twenty bucks on demand to watch it. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, it's cheaper than going to the movies, and I got the convenience of, of the house. I don't mind that. I'll do that for something like that. I love the Equalizer series. So let's see. Uh, I got my own air popper. Twenty dollars for a movie. Already have beverages in the in the cool. Correct. Um, yeah, I'm still saving money. Yeah, you're right. I might do that. Yeah. Uh, all right. This, that, this is yeah. the final Equalizer, so I got to see this one. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, the real. Uh, RMP says it's really good. He, he it's he's in Italy for it. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, all right, yeah. all right, good, good. And it is streaming. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, uh, artist. Uh, art, well, it's streaming. Oh, yeah. okay. Thank you, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Um, anyway, oh, it's it's yeah. You can get it for a little bit cheaper than than what we're talking about here. But anyway, uh, the Wiz, Michael Jackson, uh, and crew from 1978. Uh, Ross. Diana yep. Ross, yeah, a remake of the uh, sort of Wizard of Oz musical, making it more of a musical. Uh, good movie, Radio, from 2003 with Cuba Gooding Jr., yep. uh, based off a real-life uh, yep. character. It was very good. It was uh, one of Mike Tolan's movies, so it does a lot of good sports movies, Mike Tolan. Uh, the Lazarus Project, 2008. Uh, Gattaca, 1997. St. Vincent with Bill Murray from 2014. Saw Five. From 2008, Scary Movie 3, 2003, Soul Man, 1986 with C. Thomas Howell. What else do you have, Mr. Go? Uh, high School uh, high school Musical, Senior Year 2008, Saw 5. You can saw away because I ain't watching any of those. It was 2008 also. Uh, you said The Lazarus Project, right? Yeah, good movie. Okay. Yeah, that is a good movie. That was it. So that's it for that. Yeah, I'm not a Saw guy. <laughs> it's not... no, I, I, are you like a... Um... Are you a gore guy? Like, are you, I, I, it's not really my, I don't know that Saw is. I'm just saying, I don't, it's not my, like, I don't mind a horror movie, but I'm not into the gore necessarily. See, I, here's what I did in the past. I would have to watch the first one because they were so hyped up, like the Jason movies. Yeah, yeah like the, the Halloween, Halloween know, Friday the 13th. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Saw and stuff like that. Oh, but when he got, when he got to movies like Saw, that was a whole nother level. And I'm like, I am not sitting here watching this mess. This, okay. this is ridiculous. And now they're up to five, which shows you the popularity of these movies. Um, yeah, they obviously but, make money. They, they're, yeah. they're not making five of them if they're not making money in some way. No. Yeah. I mean, you, you lost me at one. I'm not watching two through five. No. Okay. All right. Everybody, including Tone's, giving the first saw uh, props, like like high marks. 
So everybody, everybody enjoyed the the initial one. I ha- I have heard good things about the first one. So okay, all we'll right, check it out. We'll check it out. Uh, all right. So the big two big stories. Um, one. The Eagles off day today, but they make the trade yesterday for Kevin Byard. The safety comes over from Tennessee. There's the deal. You see it traded 2024, fifth and sixth for Terrell Edmonds. Um, and then the Eagles end up getting Byard here. It's a it's a it's a need. It's a need move for sure. Um, they get the a guy who can play, who has 27 career interceptions, who isn't who isn't cooked. And here's the thing: if it doesn't necessarily work out this way, uh, this year, you'll move on from him. And he's, he's not going to cost you anything going forward. I think it's a smart play by Howie. I agree with you. I don't think he's done. I think he'll continue to add at least one more thing. It won't be any, you know, major move where you're giving up a ton. But right. he'll add to this roster um, as they gear up here for Washington. So it's Washington, Derek, then Dallas. Then we get the bye week after that. So you get two more Ooh. games until the bye. With the, with the loss last night by San Francisco. So here's the way things shake out in the NFC Conference, okay? You have, as of right now, you have the Eagles uh, with the lone uh, 6-1 and one record. Yep. You have the Lions and Niners both at 5-2. and two. You then have the Falcons at 4-3 and three because they're winning that bad division. But in terms of record, it's Seattle and Dallas both at 4-2. and two. There isn't anybody else who is over 500. Your top six teams in the NFC – are, are over 500. Nobody else is. Then you go over to the AFC. There's one team at <clears throat> six and one, and that's Kansas City. Yep. Then it's Miami, yep. Baltimore, Jacksonville, all five and two. Steelers four and two. Browns four and two. Browns have a good game this week. Browns and the Seahawks in Seattle is an interesting game. Um, we don't know yet what the status is of Deshaun Watson. No. Um, but that's that's one I'm interested in. That's a little, even though it's two different conferences. It has a bit of a playoff feel to that one. It's good two good teams. You said it's in Seattle, right? Correct. So that's me either, either means four or five, four twenty. Dang it, I won't get to see that one. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's uh yeah, let me see when that one. I believe it's four twenty. I want to say twenty-five. Man. Um for that one. Yeah, and as I glazed over at the uh the the Sunday night and the Monday night are not exactly exciting, Derek. Sunday night is Chicago at the Chargers. Monday night is Vegas at the Lions. I mean, I'll be interested to watch the Lions, but yeah. that Sunday night game is not moving the needle. Yeah, the well, Seattle game's 405. 405. That, that, that young, unknown Division II quarterback for Chicago because they said he's playing. Bajan, Who knows? Yeah. He might yeah. be a story. You know, you never know. Well, the thing he did, he didn't turn it over, and he took what they gave him. It was a lot of, like, quick out. It was a smart game plan. Quick out, you know, dump down, whatever. But that's been a big issue for for Justin Fields as he's turned it over a lot. Um, yeah. But you're right; he could he could be emerging as a pretty interesting story. That guy. Uh, there's not much else to be excited about if you're Chicago. Let's face it. No, no. <laughs> Baseball that, team sucks. Basketball team's mediocre. Football team stinks. Yeah, yeah. Chicago's a really prideful sports market. They got a lot of egg in their faces lately yeah, with their do. team. Yeah. Uh, as far as the NFC East, uh, Dallas is home taking on the Rams. Of course, we know the Eagles are playing Washington. Uh, the the Giants are taking on the Jets. Okay. So that, that's what we have, uh, you know, as you're looking at Giants, teams that are Giants, around the Eagles. Jets. That, now, Giants-Jets is an interesting I know. I'm, I'm a little bit interested in that, I got to tell you. I want to yeah. see what that looks like. Yeah, and, and it looks – we don't know yet if, if Daniel Jones is going to be back. Uh, I want to see if Zach Wilson continues to play a little bit better than he had played earlier in the year. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll – that's – it. you know, well, the Eagles are at one. This right. week. So right. that they'll be going against the Eagles game, but nonetheless, you know, 
yeah. taking a look at it. Not only that, even if it was later, you know, I got a two-hour post-game show after the game and then a two-hour drive home. Not so I wouldn't see it anyway. So, All right, give me your prediction tonight. Who wins the uh, the Phillies and the Diamondbacks game seven at, at uh, Citizens Bank? Everything you can think of stacks up in favor of the Phillies. A, a trialed and tested playoff team from a year ago, a team that can outmuscle just about anybody in Major League Baseball except – you know, in, except the Braves, just in terms of statistical numbers, home runs. But I can, can out-muscle. Uh, starting pitcher tonight, which is like cool hand Luke, you know, probably a consummate poker player, uh, has been spot on in the playoffs. Um, I, I'm looking at – they're going to make fans – I think they're going to make fans sweat a little bit because there's so much tension right now. Nobody in the planet thought Arizona could take them to seven games. Right. Uh, it's in their backyard, a, short, a shorter baseball diamond, shorter dimensions. Somebody's got to clear the fence for the Phillies to get their fan, fan base juiced up. Yep. Um, I like the Phillies at home winning this game 6-3. Okay. Phillies win. I think it's a little low. I think it's a 4-2, but I think the Phillies win. Uh, and I we will certainly recap it tomorrow. That is for sure. Right. All right. That'll do it for us, D-Gun. We're back at it tomorrow. I want to thank Tone to Shields. Tone, excellent job producing. Thank you. Thanks to everybody in the chat. Appreciate you as well. Everybody streaming, everybody listening. Uh, You guys are the best. Don't go anywhere. National Football Show with Dan Cilio coming your way. D-Gun and I back tomorrow. Same place, same time. Everybody, have a great rest of your Tuesday. Enjoy the game. We'll see you tomorrow. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.